Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap cheapo cars and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. your boy Darian Gilliam aka Black Flags Matter back for another edition season six season six everybody of the, of the NASCAR weekly podcast on BFM it's a pleasure to be back on my channel once again wow six seasons of the podcast on Black Flags Matter that's crazy it feels like we just started yesterday but anyways literally the season started a, a few days ago officially 
in a few days ago in Daytona. Uh, the three of us were there, and then uh, Jared did his little uh, post race streams afterwards. The freaking Daytona 500 one. What was the peak for that one, my guy? Like what, fifteen, like fifteen hundred, something like that? Somewhere near there. Yeah, it was it was a lot. So hey, we were all doing our own thing, you know, putting in work, putting in coverage. So appreciate you guys watching, um, watching uh, all of our stuff throughout the entire weekend. But hey, let's get let's get straight into it, y'all, with our uh, hottest takes. Uh, who's gonna start us off? I guess I'll go first. Uh, I feel like I never really have a, a super hot hot take. I just have something I want to talk about. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I know we're gonna talk a lot about him in a few minutes. We'll all give our take, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has. A not so great of a reputation as a race car driver, Recky Spinhouse. Hmm. He's been known as in the past, but I want to kind of just throw this question out into the world. How does the Daytona 500 win change his legacy, if at all? Because I think we do forget that before he was Recky Spinhouse, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was a two-time NASCAR Nationwide Series champion. He had a great year in 2017 when Roush gave him some really fast forwards on super speedways. He won two races. That's hard to do. There's not a lot of drivers that win multiple races in a single season in their career. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr., in my opinion, with this win, showed that you can be a specialist. We're in the era, I think, of specialization once again, where if you're great at super speedways or road courses, there's now 10 of those types of races in the regular season. And as long as the win you're in format is around, I think there's a lot of value a guy like Ricky Stenhouse can bring to the right team, like a JTG, who's not trying to win a championship, they're just trying to make the playoffs. Stenhouse just more than likely did that for them. So I think this changes his legacy a little bit, but I kind of want to open that up to the chat and we'll talk more about it in a few minutes. Danny, what was your big takeaway after uh, the Daytona 500? My takeaway is a fun one for me personally. And you guys, we're going to, we're going to play into the meme here a little bit. I got to give it up for the 48 team, Alex Bowman, starting off the year for new crew chief and Props to him. I honestly doubted him to be able to get the front row for the Daytona 500 for a sixth year in a row. He got the pole award, uh, started on the front row. But utter, not only just that, he's counting the clash, the first driver to get a top five in both races this year. Got a top five, was looking very strong in the clash, uh, was up in the front. A lot of the Daytona 500, nearly won stage two. And throughout all the chaos of that last lap in overtime, still managed to get fifth place in the Daytona 500. So, Hats off to him with his new crew chief. They're they're looking strong, and uh, you know after sitting out most pretty much the rest of the last year with a concussion, uh, I think think he's back and in a good way. So watch out for the forty eight team this year, Pendrick. Danny, you're gonna find this amazing. You did that take in forty eight seconds. Whoa. Wow, <laughs> nice. That was not planned well, at all. But I guess since uh, <laughs> since I'm talking, I think I'm gonna give the hottest take tonight, and I know that a lot of people are gonna disagree with me. Uh, and I'm not saying this because I think that this person is bad in a horrible sense of the word now and can't listen to him, anything like that. But I'm going to give a hot take and say this. I think Mike Joy needs to hang it up. So Mike Joy is still a very good commentator. But if you listen to the last lap of that race, there was no emotion. There was no energy. And yes, I, I can excuse it from Tony Stewart. Not as much from Clint Boyer because he's in the booth, but still an experience, but Mike Joy, the guy who's given us so many great calls through the years, having no energy on a race-deciding crash, and I still think he's good. He's a good storyteller, but also the surrounding parts with him do not support his strengths anymore, and he's getting older. He's not going to get any younger, and I don't want him to get the same kind of crap thrown at him that guys like Daryl Waltrip did 
back in the day when he fell off, for instance. So I respect Mike Joy. I respect all he's done. I just don't think with a stop-and-go kind of broadcast that there is nowadays that they go to his strengths, and I don't think that, honestly, it's going to get any better with age. Daniel Suarez better cool it now. You had one race after the contract extension, and what do you decide to do? You not only decide to take out Kyle Busch once, but you basically ruined his other race, the main race. Man, what is... uh, so, yeah, like, it's one thing for him to turn him in the duels and stuff. I get that. Like, all right, like, oh, he freaking, you know, he he messed up. He, you know, locked the bumpers and all that stuff. But in the 500, bro, save the damn car, man. Why'd you have to? Oh, man, Kyle Busch was so close. It was this close to winning. But, oh, man, hey, Suarez, I don't I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully this doesn't become a regular thing where, you know, now that he's under a, uh, a contract extension for the first time in his Cup Series career that he starts, you know, racing in over his head. I, it's just Daytona, but I'm just saying let's let's just uh, let's cool it now. Let's cool it. But, that, that was another yeah. one in 48 seconds. No, fucking us, efficient. Not, yeah, not even planned. But anyways, hey, starting think I should have picked Bowman this weekend, but no, I did not. Yeah, but don't worry, Mm -hmm. we'll get into those picks uh, later on in the show. But guys, uh, I just put up the latest poll. Who had the hottest take, uh, by the way? And uh, I think uh, Jared's going to win that by a a landslide. Can I? Can we talk about Jared's take for just a moment? I do. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. uh, I I don't fully agree that Mike Joy was the problem. Now, granted, I only watched about. I I only watched. Okay, yeah, but I, don't, I wouldn't even say I would put more of the blame on Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer. I think Mike Joy's job is what you said is to be a great storyteller. And I, you know, I, the little bit I watched, you know, sure he'd have a hiccup here or there. I'm sure he got some little facts slightly wrong, dates maybe slightly off. Who knows? He he'll slip here and there for sure. He's 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 at the end of his leash, no doubt about it. But that last lap, I did, I was outside. I was out on the grid watching the last lap, so I did not hear the fox call of the last lap crash and finish under yellow. But when I went back a couple hours later and watched the replay, I put out a scorching hot tweet that I then deleted and clarified in my video because I didn't like how scorching hot it came across, but that was shit. Clint <laughs> Boyer is garbage. Mm-hmm. Tony Stewart, get him. I, he and Danica have the next three races. They are terrible. I do not want them near the Fox microphone because it's the last lap of the Daytona 500. Guys, just a 10 car crash at the front of the field. And they both sound afraid to speak. But Clint Boyer's line of, oh, oh he got turned. So like, he's not like that. Like he's afraid to wake his this, mom up. This is where <laughs> I like that, 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 that I just, I've, I've felt I that just, before. Like but, you don't have to start mama. yelling and going, oh, blah, 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 blah. you don't have to do that. <laughs> like, the NBC that's, that's a sound with, clip right there. With yeah. Rick Allen and Dale Jr. They at least upped their voice an octave a little. Alan Bestwick was great at that. He didn't mm-hmm. start screaming, but you just heard that slight shrill in his voice. That, to me, adds so much to the viewing experience. It feels like a movie when these guys get the call right. But when they blow it collectively, as they did at the end of this year's Daytona 500, like that's when you have the most eyeballs. But that's the clip that's going to be replayed on the news shows the next day. I, I didn't argue against it. that. I didn't argue against that. No, but I'm By- just arguing Clint Boyer and... and and Tony Stewart, the bits that I watched were, were mm-hmm. uninspiring. Yeah, uninspiring. Ca- ca- catch your my, breath, bro. Catch your breath. My, <laughs> my part of my take with that is Mike Joy. You know, it, Mike Joy is still good, and he was good throughout the race for for the bad delivery that was given to him by the production. He was he was good. Clint Boyer has been in the booth for what three years. Tony Stewart's been in what three races. Mike Joy has been in there for forty years. 
in that moment, I think Mike Joy would say the same thing. It is in that moment, it is up to him to take control of the situation, take control of the booth, and run the broadcast from there. And he and in that moment, he let in the very smallest little mouse pipsqueak voice possible, Clint Boyer, <laughs> take control of that broadcast. That is so. That's why I say for Mike Joy, it's he's good throughout the race. Just like I think a lot of older, you know, in the in the late '90s, I see all these replays, and you have older announcers who are, who are good throughout. But at the end, now when it's money time, I'd honestly say since 2018, it's been uh, been becoming more and more consistent, where Mike Joy either doesn't have a call to give, the rest of the booth kind of takes control, or it's something you know like that because. Yeah, I, I've argued for a while that I, I don't like his, the, the 2018 call to the finish. But I still think throughout since 2018, he's been a very good announcer. I mean, I'm, I, was it 2020? He had a couple at the start of, like, speeches, basically, at the start of broadcasts. That, that were fantastic. Chills. Yeah. I, 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 in this time, if Fox wants to shake things up and put people in positions that are the, the best for them, take Chris Myers out of the Hollywood Hotel or wherever they call it now, and have Mike Joy down there the way that Ken Squire was towards the end of his career. Move um, people yeah, where their strengths are. I, yeah, I want him on the broadcast. I think he fits on a broadcast. I just, at the moment, I don't, and I don't know who would take over, and I don't have the, the, the fix for it, but I think that yeah. he would be better served in a slower environment towards the end of his career here. Because he's, what, 74? I think Mike now? Joy needs a podcast. That's what he, that's yeah. where he, oh, he would be best served at this yeah, point. Yeah, but he, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't mean to come off so strong, but it's just such a pet peeve of mine that they just it feels like repeatedly, repeatedly, Fox is butchering these crucial moments, these big calls. And, like, like I just it was Boyer and Stewart at the end there. They just sounded afraid to speak. Last year, uh, I just remember last year, the finish of the Daytona 500, they're coming out of turn four. Runs are being generated. And Clint Boyer is mumbling about, oh, I don't think he's got enough of a run. Like, that's what he's saying into the mic on national team. This is turn four of the Daytona 500. So it's two years in a row Boyer has blown the most crucial lap of the race. I want him gone. I want him gone. I, I'm tired of Clint Boyer. I don't know who you're playing. Put Harvick in there in place of him. I, even, I want him gone. Even when, you know, it just sounded like he was speaking incoherent nonsense. At least Daryl Walter would put energy into it. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and I, I, yeah, I know I don't like the screaming and the, but I like, I just, I just need some intensity. I, people meme it, but Dale Jr. is car on the wall. I got a car like on the wall. I, it, it gets your attention. Not gets everyone's going to like that. Some people think it's too shrill, too, too jarring. I get that, but I just, we need, we need some energy, please make it feel like the last. And I actually, I also want to blame the production team because where's the crowd audio. I heard complaints no, of this at the clash, but like oh, everyone just wrecked on the last of the day 2500. Can we get some sort of like just white uh, noise of people going, Oh, oh, cause it's out there. You can hear it on pit road. You can hear it when you're in the I, stands, people react. I had can we get a mic in there? Half a dozen people, you guys included texting me from inside the track, from the grandstands, telling me about like the energy. I never felt this energy at Daytona. And some people mm -hmm. have been going for 15 or so years, or some people who've been going for a while being like, Oh my gosh, this is almost like, early 2000s energy and I'm even like, the yeah, flyover 
even the flyover had more energy because they kept circling around and doing tricks mm -hmm. before the race. I, we yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah. They didn't show it on TV. <laughs> there was no crowd yeah. noise at all. Like Fox completely fumbled the bag on this. Like I, at, I, at, I, at I, one point, one of the jets was coming through and it was doing that thing where it looks like, like a sonic boom was coming off of the jet. And oh, it, it breaks like, the sound you know, barrier. Yeah, and you felt it tickling your ear. It was pretty cool. So really quick, I'm gonna rain this back in because yeah, I just realized we were we were we were talking about this for 14 minutes. Bro. 14 yeah, well, minutes we did say before the show that we don't have a whole lot to go yeah, off. Of besides yeah, yeah, the yeah, true. So that's why I let y'all go. We can we can get off. off. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Hey, don't we, worry, we got yeah. a lot. We got a lot to talk about though. Let's don't go. worry. As far as the Daytona 500 is concerned, first off, the at the track atmosphere was unbelievable. You know, being in the infield and stuff. Uh, I'll start off, start off with uh, with uh, Danny B here. Danny, um, just what were your thoughts at the on the uh, at the track atmosphere throughout the entire weekend? Uh, well, Simon, that was actually what we were talking about, so we didn't have to bring it back in. Uh, but anyways, like being there, it was really cool. Uh, I've been now to three Daytona 500s. This is the first one I I really felt like I get I got to get a really proper experience on the inside and see everything that was going on. Uh, it's just good to connect with some of the people in the industry, uh, see some of the fans of the show and our channels. We'd see some of them every now and again. Um, and then just before the race, it was just so cool. Lots of celebrities there, lots of big names. Um, yeah, Pete Davidson. Pete, Pete, Davidson. Pete, Pete Davidson was walking around. Uh, Mr. Beast, I don't think – I never saw him down in the infield area. I think he was up in a suite. So that, that, that explains why we didn't see him down there. Um, uh, Alvin Kamara was there. Charlotte Flair from WWE was there. Uh, just lots of celebrities all around the the racetrack on that day, and then just everyone was was excited, and you know it was get get the season started, you know for points that is the season was already started in LA, but you know just got it going, and it was just overall a great at track experience. It was full from the stands down into the garage area. You really didn't want to stay on in the pit area that much because there was just so many people there, um, and then I was uh, when it was coming down into final laps. Me and Claudia, we were actually standing in the uh, in the pit of Kyle Busch because we were at that point. I was kind of, I mean, I, I picked him anyway, so I was kind of hoping to see him win it. And also, we, we were right behind Samantha Bush, and uh, I had a short that I put up where you just saw her just swaying back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She was just so anxious and was like, "Is he going to win? Is he going to win? Is he going to win?" Nope. And then, uh, sad, sadly for her and Kyle, nope, um, they would have won in nineteen ninety eight. But yeah. uh, but uh, now it, it was uh, even though they lost, it was kind of interesting being there in that moment to to see that. Yeah, and you spoke to earlier about you know about damn like the track was like full and stuff like it was like they must have they must have completely sold out the uh, the infield campers this year because there was no room and and I know the five hundred is sold out for for um, what is it eight straight seasons now well they had to build but, extra temporary seating I saw yeah yeah like there was just so many more people this when year. we were leaving the track we were actually almost kind of stopped by a large crowd that was like doing like wheelbarrow races or something like that yeah. they're, all, they're almost in the way. It was just there was just a lot, but especially during the pre-race stuff. I'm like, wow, it was it was crazy. And then I ended up using Eric as my own personal selfie stick. I'm like, hey, Eric, take a picture for me. Put the picture. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Yeah, yeah. to get it, just get the to get the whole crowd in the shot. You had to get up high. I mean, it was mm -hmm. last year was my first Daytona 500, and it felt big. It felt like a big game. Like you looked out over the grandstand, you're like, dang, that is full. That's a hundred thousand people right there. You walk around the infield, and you're like, yeah, there's an energy. There's a buzz. This doesn't feel like just any other NASCAR race. But this year, especially when you went inside the track, you know, you mentioned the campgrounds. Yeah, even at night, they were full. It was tough to get out of the track sometimes. Um, but the day of the race, it was 
you know, there's a lot of space on that grassy infield. There's a lot of space on pit road on the front stretch up on the banking. There was not much space to actually walk um, all basically two hours leading up to the green flag, which I thought was remarkable. Um, and, uh, and outside the track, I think a lot of sponsors brought new vendor or new um, displays and things that were kind of neat. They had a few remote control car tracks out there. NASCAR had this whole new NASCAR experience set up with the iRacing rigs and a stage and show cars. Like, so ally up there experience too. Yeah, ally stuff too. So I don't know if all that stuff's going to go to every, a lot of that stuff's going to go to every race this year. But if it just goes to the Daytona 500, I, I get it because this is, this was a big race that justified having a larger presence. And so it, it, this felt bigger. This was probably the biggest, um, like the biggest big game feel I've experienced at a race, maybe since the 2019 Bristol night race, but this might've eclipsed that. We I saw, think that eclipsed that. We saw Wendy's versus McDonald's come into yeah. play. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it, it was yeah, great. I, I, this kind of like you said, Danny, you've been to three and this was your first real true experience, uh, proper experience. And this was the first one that wasn't impacted by rain. So I finally That's got to a see point. a proper Daytona 500 this time. That's a good point. Yeah. I would just compare to my first one last year. This one definitely felt more serious. Like this felt like a bigger deal just slightly like still Daytona 500, but kudos yeah. to everyone who put this event on. Now, once the racing actually got started, I got it. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I mean, like for those who were actually at the track, like man right from the start they were on it man the cars could not get away from each other and uh and uh we knew they couldn't go three wide so it was inevitable they were just gonna stay you know side by side but i figured eventually they would run single file but hey kudos to them they're like nah hey we're just gonna race straight up here so uh, hey, it was it, it was amazing racing early on but then yeah there was uh yeah oh. <laughs> nine laps well, in and then all of a sudden i, I want to ask though kind of getting back to the race itself um <laughs> You know, with Stenhouse winning, I saw like one of the big talking points was about like super speedway racing now, Wreckfest at the end versus the rest of the race. So, how did I, I want? I want all to hear your guys' takes on on this really quick about the atmosphere at the track, but also then we can talk about the racing itself. What was kind of, was there like any kind of change in the mood or vibe there? Because Fox obviously wouldn't have caught it uh, when they started. Uh, basically having that crash fest at the end for like the last nine or 10 laps, give or take. I mean, it, I mean, it's the Daytona 500. So I felt like the atmosphere was just already, it was already amped up automatically. I mean, what was there more energy? I mean, Oh, more energy. Like, did it get, like, was the crowd on their feet screaming louder? Could they be heard more? Like how, how was it? It it never felt. I don't think it ever felt like it dragged, if that's kind of what you're getting at. I, I think people were absolutely invested. I think I looked up at the grandstands about maybe two-thirds of the way through the race, and they definitely cleared out a little, like people had gone to go get a snack. But by the end of the race, I figured when I look, I, I made a point to look at this with about five to go, so this is maybe just before all the crashes happened, I looked up at the stands and I thought, you know, it filled back in. Like people yeah. came back to their seats, make sure they see the finish. Uh, I don't know if they enjoyed all the restarts. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I think the energy maintained pretty well throughout. One thing that I noted, I noted at the start of the race on my Twitter that we were actually on pace to potentially have the quickest day 2500 yeah, ever. It As it cool. turned out, we actually had the longest day 2500 ever, both in laps and in time. But most people said that it didn't feel like a four hour and 12 minute mm-hmm. day 2500 at all. Yeah. And really, the, the time only... is down now to three under under four hours now. The four, <laughs> the four hour one was, I think, uh, erroneously put out. Um, well, uh, that's what it said in the media center. So that's what I was going off of. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how they uh, 
how they which sites like get that or whatever but yeah that's what it said on the thing on in the uh in the media center but um no, it's before three all hours, those it's officially now three hours 38 oh, okay okay then all right okay but, i guess <laughs> someone forgot to turn the clock up yeah then. yeah they must have stopped <laughs> yeah it must have kept running i thought they stopped it automatically but i guess not but but anyways uh but back to the racing though but but before all the uh all the problems that happened uh towards the end of the race i mean really the only issues were I mean, obviously the mistakes that some drivers were making. I mean, Riley Herbst in his NASCAR debut, which shout out to him. I mean, he got a top 10 in his first start after all that. Hey, but early cool. on, like, like it was funny because he, uh, um, so, uh, he spun out, uh, missed the, uh, missed the, uh, the, the commitment the cone. And then NASCAR was like, nope, we don't care. You spun to sell penalty. I was like, oh, damn, I didn't sell the injury. Then Travis Pastrana had, yeah, he- uh, he drove uh, through too many road. boxes. Yeah, no, he drove through. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, he drove. Yeah, through, uh, I think he was driving boxes. through too many boxes. But the biggest one was uh, this was out of nowhere. Bubble Wallace was leading the race, and then initially it looked like Truex was like locked bumpers with him too hard, and then he just hit the no, wall. All of a sudden. Dead, but as, a, yeah, as it turns out, yeah, as it turns out, it was his own freaking car owner, Denny Hamlin, who hit Truex. I mean, and what is Truex going to do? He can't just step on the brake, so just slamming into a into a into Bubba but hey props to Bubba though because we had said this before the season he needs to keep his emotions in check and uh, I heard the radioactive he was not like you know cussing out or anything like that or going off no he's just like okay all right we're gonna fix it I mean yeah yeah I mean it's early I mean his race could have been freaking ruined like right then and there it could have been completely over um but no but props to him he uh, kept his cool the entire time um well i want to ask i want to ask really quick um the big talk i know that i saw a lot of people on both social media and even some of the drivers kind of like i won't say talked about but made remarks about and then i saw it also with different podcasts um is like green white checker procedures and stuff like that for super speedways like does it need a change like no why or if so why i'll go first i feel like it's just you're just opening up a whole other can of worms that I don't think NASCAR is just going to be ready for that. I mean, we've changed, like we've had so many like different overtime variations and stuff and procedures over the years. Like, I I feel like at this point, you're never, you're never going to find a perfect one. There's always going to be something that, I mean, yeah, all right, it'll fix this issue, but then another issue will pop up here and there, you know, like, I mean, I did a, I did a, 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 a Instagram Q and a, um, the Monday after the race, uh, on the way back. And there were a few suggestions where some were like, oh, just take it out entirely. Or or one of them was like, oh, we shouldn't count caution laps. And I'm like, I don't know about all that. Well, no, you know, it like just be the idea. same thing we have now. Yeah, exactly. There, so there was, uh, there was one kid on Twitter who unknowingly accidentally said they should go back to the uh, – the the overtime line ahead on the backstretch. He had no clue that was even a yeah, thing that they did yeah. before. A funny story. Yeah, that's had that happened before, bro. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm team ended on the advertised distance. You have all race to to get up there. If you can't get up there before a caution ends it, that's your fault. It's very old school. It's very old school. Because I mean I and I do get that because I mean like how many laps total was this well, year's five hundred? Like two hundred eleven, something like twelve or something. But but my, yeah. my rationale for it is this too is NASCAR keeps going and saying that the teams need to do this to mitigate costs. They need to stop spending. They need to fire people to save costs. Why why don't we just save costs by not wrecking as many race cars as super speedway tracks? Ah. Well, because no, yeah. I, I went through the other day. And I believe in the last 20 years since green-white checkers, and it's only actually, I think, 19 and a half, uh, but in the 19 and a half years of green-white checkers, officially, not cars that crashed to the finish, officially we've crashed, I think it was 266 cars in that time that are officially listed down as crashed. And that doesn't include the Austin Dillon flip, 
That doesn't include Ryan Newman in 2020. That doesn't include the giant crash in 2007. So it's probably, there's at least up probably 100 to 200 more. And if NASCAR really wants these teams to save money, why don't they put rules that will limit the drivers? Because yes, you can still have a wreck fest before then. But if you look back, I think Jeff Gluck who had said it, might not have been Jeff, um, but somebody had put a tweet out. Maybe it's Nate Ryan. I don't know. That doesn't matter. The, 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 the subject matter of it is what matters. And that is that like, since 2004, only five or six Daytona 500s have actually been 500 miles. Yeah, something like that. So uh-huh. that that's my take on it. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a hot take. I know a lot of people won't like that uh, in the chat. I can see people don't like that in the chat. And I'm actually going to put out a poll that says, uh, should NASCAR overtime change? And we'll get their thoughts on that. Either that but, or uh, limit it to one. I mean, the they, they can have their shot at a green flag finish, whether it be to the advertised distance or one. But if they're just going to keep crashing because they pull dumb moves or the cars can't handle it, NASCAR needs to step in and be the adult. I'd be okay with one overtime. So, like, I'm all for ending the race at the advertised distance. And I think your argument of, well, we wreck less cars. We have junked a lot of cars across Cup Xfinity and Truck the last few years at these super speedways in overtime. But... Yeah, my head immediately goes to one of y'all mentioned a second ago the unintended consequences. You know, we've had thing we've had this come up in Indi- in the Indianapolis 500 in recent years where mm-hmm. caution comes out with five to go. Well, get the sweepers out! Hurry, we need a restart. Get the sweepers out! Nope, it's going to finish under yellow. You know, <laughs> the wreck happened on lap 195, and I don't want that. Con- you know, that's going to happen. I mean, that kind of would have happened. I guess when did the Suarez spin happen? Was it 197 or 198? I think it was, it was 198. 198 it was at, yeah, 198. Yeah. Okay, so it that's a little different, but. It would have ended it, but and that was close enough that I think most people would have been like, oh, that sucks, but I get it. Uh, but I think that's how people view this year's. I think the current rule where if you crash on the lap, the caution comes out on the last lap, field is frozen at the moment the yellow comes out, I think that's easy enough to understand. If you're if this was your first Daytona 500 and you've never seen that rule in action, then it probably took you a second to be like, oh, wait, well, oh, oh, so it's over. But now that you've seen it once, you'll you'll understand it every other time, every other race you watch. Um, so if they want to limit it to one overtime, because I think we got two overtime attempts this year, I'd be okay with you get one chance. Yes, screwed around once. I'll give you one more you know, chance to fix it. It's like one fast repair in iRacing. I'll give you one. But if you screw up again, we're just going to end it. I, I'd be okay with that. But I, I certainly, I'm okay with one overtime just so we avoid the drama of, oh my gosh, can they clean up this wreck fast enough? I, I don't, I don't want to see big races especially come down to that controversy. Yeah. I just, for, for me, it's, and, and granted, again, all of these things can all happen without green-white checkers. I just I don't like when the Daytona 500, our big race, just turns into a, well, how many restarts are we going to have? Because NASCAR and, has, un, like, we have the unlimited restart rule. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, it just it gets to a point of absurdity. Because I feel like if we had one green-white checker and they, they crashed on the backstretch where they did, and that was it, we gave it a shot. You know, NASCAR can yeah. say they gave it a shot. And exactly. You blame the drivers at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm still adver- team advertised distance, but if it, like if we're gonna I, we're gonna come to a compromise because I think there needs to be one. That's it. I agree. I'm with yeah. you there. I, I'd be all for that. And you especially and and it especially sucks because like the entire race or you know most of the race was pretty damn good, and then yeah, to have it end like that with like a few wrecks here and there. And then all of a sudden just people starting to make stupid moves. Like, yeah, I get all that. You know? If it ends up that first overtime, if they did what we're proposing one overtime and it ended after that wreck on the backstretch, that was Stenhouse had just gotten the push to the lead, right? Yes. Yeah. He would have still been right. the winner. I guess we just would have wrecked a few less cars. <laughs> <laughs> we would have I was like, at least 15 less cars. 
yeah. least you know in, that, in this case and i know every race would be different <laughs> at least it would feel better because in that moment stenhouse was on the was on the offensive he was making the move to get the lead whereas the way this race ended stenhouse kind of got bailed out he had kind of lost his momentum it looked like the outside with uh i think it was logano and kyle bush and bubba it looked like they were about to get the big run maybe push to the lead Stenhouse and Stenhouse kind of got bailed out as a result. But uh, so I think that's part of why people mm-hmm. left a bad taste because it was shaping up to be a really good battle down the back stretch for the yeah. final half lap. Uh, Danny, what do you it ended early. Well, I saw someone mention this in the chat. I'm kind of thinking it's not a bad idea. Maybe do a modification to it. They said, uh, just don't count caution laps. Well, I'm thinking maybe within 10 to go, don't count caution laps. And then if we get within two to go, just if it's two to go, it basically treated as a green white checkered. But instead of green white checkered, if a caution comes out within two to go and you had you had to restart, just that's it. That's yeah, over. I don't know. At this point, I, you know, I feel like it feels kind of like just like overtime at that point. Yeah, yeah I don't maybe know. Not. I mean, I, look, I feel like I, I, I guess it, I guess it's a way if a late race. I like the idea more if it's within ten to go and a late race caution comes out. Just don't count the caution laps. You get more laps to decide it. Again, I mean, to my earlier point though, I just feel like. I mean, we could talk about changing, you know, overtime rules here and there and stuff. It's just there's always going to be something that pops up, well, no matter what overtime procedure that popped up about up. forty feet in the air uh, for my rationale for this because I was for the longest time team. Let's do a bunch of overtimes, like twenty ten Daytona five hundred turned into an absolute shit show. But I I loved that race. It was a good race. What changed my mind was on the third overtime attempt in twenty twenty when we had a needless crash that we didn't need when it devolved to the point of absurdity and Ryan Newman gets sent to the hospital because you just keep yeah. opening the door with the, like it, it's how it is with super speedways. And now with the next gen car, with these kind of issues that Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace both have said are still prevalent in the car. I don't like putting the drivers in more danger. I don't like having the teams have to pay more and probably fire more people when they could just be not wrecking as many cars. I, there needs to be some kind of control to it is kind of where I'm going with it. I think we agree. We just agree on different places. Right. And, uh, I mean, according to the chat, uh, should NASCAR overtime change, it'll end at 73% saying yes. And we saw a bunch of their uh, ideas it's in the chat. It's not 50-50. <laughs> yeah, not 50-50 at all. And over 200 people voted on that poll. So thank you, guys. Really appreciate that. And uh, well, back to some more racing topics as far as the Daytona 500 is concerned, man. So close. Kyle Busch, so close. So damn close, y'all. Uh, Eric, look, I'll, I'll ask you this, bro. Um, do you think at this point, I mean, is he ever going to win the 500 or is it just like, it's just, just no luck? And, 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 and to some extent, we can also include Brad Kozlowski in this conversation as well, because both Kozlowski and Kyle Busch, towards the end there, it was looking like it was going to be either one of those two battling it for the victory with help from both of their team cars. Chris Buescher for Kozlowski, Austin Dillon for Richard Childress Racing. Uh, just at this point, what is Kiv- I mean, what does Kislowski and, and KFB have to do to win the Great American Race? Well, I think Brad, and I know they're about the same age, so they're probably going to each race for a few more years. They're going to have at least three or four more chances, probably, if not more. But in the case of Brad, he'll be there again, as long as he's with Roush, especially. They, those cars just always, for as long as I can remember, always seem to be really good at the super speedways. Uh, and he and Chris Buescher they were able to push each other on like any other two car tandem in the field. Like that was scary to watch at times. It took like three or four Chevys in a line to barely shuffle those two out towards the end. They looked um, very much in control of that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but in the case of Kyle Bush, he's historically not been great on super speedways. And this was, you know, kind of a shaping up to be a perfect ending. He had a teammate, Austin Dillon there who 
kind of seemed loyal. Seemed like he Austin was going. Dunn was, he was going to block for. Him. He was going to block. Austin I, Dunn was, I was a little concerned when they w- both went on different lines, but then I realized that it was set up for Kyle to cross mm-hmm. in front. Yeah, and I in hindsight, yeah, in hindsight, obviously it was the wrong call at the time. I thought it was risky just because I knew inside. Dylan was going to either have to lift for longer or even drag the break. Whereas the outside in row two with Logano in this case, and just that's get a scary going. Guy. Yeah, he can just flat out the whole time. So even by the time Bush gets settled down in front of Dylan, that outside has a slight head start. So I knew, I figured it was a risky move. It was going to be risky either way. Um, but obviously, hindsight, they think they probably wish they did something different. But yeah, I, Kyle Bush will have another chance, but this was his best chance he's had in a long, long time. And it's a shame that uh, a lazy spin with three to go cost him. And it, some people debated whether that Suarez spin should or shouldn't have been a caution. Yeah. Now, now, I kind of wish no, it no, hadn't. No. I kind of wish it hadn't been. He got stuck in the grass. So yeah. but they, yeah, they, they hit, hit the hard, button yeah. right when he spun. They did hit it. Or I think they hit it a little fast, but I, I you know, I, I, I wish it hadn't been a caution. I wish he could have straightened it out and just rolled on a pit road. Then they, I, they shouldn't have thrown a yellow. Um, but, uh, but the way it ended up, how it did, I think it was a fine yellow. I think they called it a little early, um, but that's I, just I, me. I, Ironically, both Saturday and Sunday, it kind of ended in a situation where caution came out and you weren't sure exactly who won right then and there. Oh, I will mention this yep. too. Fox did an awful job showing who had won the race because they set Denhouse and Logano were side by side. They never showed a still or anything whatsoever. So people were like, "Is Logano was ahead. Why is Stenhouse winning? Well, even uh, at... Even at the uh, track, when Stenhouse was out there doing pull-ups on the fence, we still looked over at the podium, and it still had Joey Logano at first. Yeah, I'll say this about Keselowski. I think I think the cars are carrying him because for some reason, just Daytona, the Daytona 500, he either has bad luck or is doesn't run well there. I don't know what it is. But man, but man, no, this year, man, Keselowski. Those cars were to me reminded me of like Kenseth and Biffle back in the day. Those cars were lightning fast. Like they could. What was that? What was that run where it seemed like they were both in the top three, like year after year after year for a while? It was, it was like 2010 to 2012 that they were in the top three every year. Yeah, Kenseth and Biffle. Kenseth finished no worse mm-hmm. than third in 2012. Yeah. 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 Race. I think he had like an that. average finish of, I of think, two. Yeah. And, and he was up front the whole <laughs> time. But on Kyle Bush's front, um, I think he'll still have chances. But what this reminds me of is another finish he was involved in. Uh, 2008 with Tony Stewart. Stewart had the chance to block Ryan Newman and Kurt Busch or go down with with his teammate. Kyle Busch coming off the corner, cleared. He still was clear of the high line. Didn't have enough energy that if it hit him in the back bumper, he probably would be would have been fine. He doesn't go up and block Logano, ends up falling way back in the pack, loses his shot at the win. So, and he's not going to be any younger. He's you know, statistically has been falling off in his career. This might have been his last chance. I mean, he's been trying to know 18 years, but I don't see him pulling a Mark Martin and run until he's 50 or, you know, just year after year being up front. So the only glimpse of optimism, optimism I'll give it, because I agree, I think this is, it's going to be tough to get a better chance than he had this time, is that he was in a backup car. So RCR brought three great super speedway cars to the track this week and they only needed two so there's some optimism there if he's obviously gonna stick with rcr for at least a few more years i assume uh he's probably gonna have good cars austin dillon's won one super speedway race he's won the 500 so he's gonna still have good cars so i'll I'll say there's a chance he'll get to this position again but it sucks to lose it when they were in such a good spot 
I, I, I mean, you you as a Kenseth fan and us as junior fans both can know just though how difficult it is to win this race. But one because of just how hard it is, but two because of how good a drivers are there. I mean, I I I would honestly think, and I, I think it's it's being honest and saying that from like you know the time in two thousand eight through to about twenty sixteen, Dale Junior was probably the best super speedway racer up front every Daytona five hundred. He only got one in that nine ten year span that he raced at hendrick with the best cars out there from a lot of the time so i just it's moves i feel like moves like that are the ones that haunt drivers when they don't win it because i I, mike mike joy was trolling tony stewart okay i enjoyed this part of the broadcast (laughs) they're they're going on it's like we have clint boyer who's finished third in the daytona 500 and tony stewart who came oh so close in 2008 and i'm like Mike, you were doing that on purpose. He's and right there. To Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I'm like, dude. Gosh. Stop it. Stop it. He's dead. <laughs> hey, but the I'll, clock is ticking. clock is ticking I, for both of them. I'll give this to Kyle Busch's credit, though. If Austin Dillon can win Daytona 500 RCRs, then surely he can, too. They both were driving. Yeah. I mean, they're both driving three cars. They were up there. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would have been funny if uh, technically Kyle Busch was in the three. Can we just say the fact that they already had three on that thing. Shows how confident they were with Austin Dillon. Yeah, I, I look RCR. They're uh, look RCR. They're they they got something cooking over there too, man. I mean, like their backup car, just that backup car was extremely fast. But it was but funny yeah. that that was a clearly a number three underneath the wrap. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. It's, it's like it. just just it just leave it blank. How easy is that? <laughs> we're just but getting yeah. ahead. <laughs> but yeah, according to the chat, though, uh, um, asking, uh, will KFB and BK ever win the Daytona 500? 71% say yes. So I bet, I bet they the said base. the same thing about Tony Stewart, yeah, or yeah, older ones, Rusty Wallace. They're Mark still Wallace. holding I, out hope. I, I just want to say, I said no, because it, the question is where is and. I don't know if and is correct. Yeah, yeah, uh, one, of the, one of them might, but not both. <laughs> come on, Darian, get the one punctuations right. Yeah, the grammar. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But anyway, but... Moving on though, it was a strategy-filled race though. It was a strategy-filled race, and I feel like the uh, the manufacturers who uh, played out the strategy uh, the best uh, during the, uh, the the early portions were uh, without a doubt the Fords because it felt like on those long runs, man, the the um, out of the top ten, like the top eight or um, the top seven or eight were were um, they were just Ford drivers and. And uh, really, I mean, RFK, I mean, they were um, the most dominant Fords, it seemed like. But then you also saw Eric Amarola come up there. And Ryan Priest really surprised me. Yeah, like, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, Priest. I didn't expect Priest to run up front that much, but uh, there's some there's some hope there. There's part of it was, it, part of what helped the Fords keep some of their track position after strategy. Remember, I guess Allmendinger and a Chevy did this early on, but, uh, but oh. he, did to stay, he, he did to avoid going a lap down. But remember Ryan Blaney to when the, Two like you know packs sort of converge the wild blocks he made on the trioval he blocked like two lanes at once yeah. kind of that like it worked kept Ford it kind of defended the Fords a little bit but the man yeah and Ryan <laughs> Ryan Blaney ended up uh, insulting him on the uh, on the radio yeah well it was funny <laughs> Blaney Blaney saw Almondinger's move and said that was freaking stupid it was and said well it worked for him I guess I'll do it too <laughs> that's stupid huh I mean. <laughs> you know, I, I ripped on like the, the wrecking at the end and, and the, the overtimes and stuff, but I had to say this was the first four ninety five was honestly in my top two or three Daytona five hundreds. Like mm. I loved the strategy moves. I loved that for most of the race until I think that first really big wreck, they were pretty clean throughout. They were aggressive. 
side by side, but you could move through the pack. You had comers and goers, dominators. Like you had just about anything you would want in a Daytona 500. And the strategy part and watching these green flag pit stops, I like, and that first green flag pit stop, first thing I that I, I think I tweeted is like, somebody is going to ruin their race right here. Mm-hmm. It's like Travis Pastrana goes through too many pit stops. <laughs> and, and, Pastrana ended up actually being in contention for the win when you watched the, he is the there. end of that race. He's yeah. in the top 10 on the last lap. Yeah, <laughs> He was drafting with his teammate in the 23. And, uh, mm-hmm. But I, I just, because we don't get to see it as much Mm-mm. in general, let alone a super speedway uh, race. So to see strategy play that big of a factor. Just was, it was good. It was it fun. Good. It was fun. Yeah, it it was fun watching the felt- entire strategy. And, and different strategies with drafting and who got out of pit road best connected with their drafting partners. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love that. That is. And we saw it in the duels too. Yes. I mean, the, yeah. that one duel where Chevy just, you know, just pit early and then lost some drivers yeah, due to penalties and they faded and it kind of ended their mm-hmm. race. Like, strategy it. was, yeah, the manufacturer alliances were very key all week long. So that was yeah. kind of fun. It was an added wrinkle. Even when they were just kind of riding too wide, stuck in gridlock. At least there was something there to still sort of track. So yeah. I agree. It was it was a good race. Yeah. Now, Jared, you had just said now you would put um the first, you said 495 in your top five, like 500 like you know, races ever. Okay, okay. Um now I gotta ask this. Where would you put the uh the the uh the famous commercial five hundred? Uh where'd you rank that among your uh <laughs> well first we need to thank our spot now whopper whopper junior chopping like a billionaire uh, oh boy so yeah, okay. look, we'll get look, the, okay. we're getting to the ugly now we're gonna yeah so now we're gonna get to the huge the mega elephant in the room here so the three Hold of on, us we need, to, we need to make sure that our uh one of i'm gonna pop one of our sponsors on to cover so we can uh make sure that they all know this is Welcome to N- NWP side by side, folks. No, yeah, not side by side. It's it's a full on takeover, sponsor oh, takeover God. right now. Oh boy! There we go, right in the center of the screen, so everyone knows. All right, it hasn't, it hasn't pulled sponsored. up for me yet. Oh, we are sponsored. Don't worry. All right, I'm, I'm waiting till I can actually so, see it. I'm yeah. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> we have the for those listening. We got a big sponsor right in the middle of the screen. It's great. Eric, are those uh, what 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 brand is that? We we do oh. we do not fall to any kind of brand here presented by Monster Energy. <laughs> it's actually a Girl Scout cookie. Um, yeah, oh, I have, a, I have a cherry Coke. You uh, need to try it first. Let's see, uh, J, JBL speakers. There you go. After I get done with the podcast, I like a nice pouch of Star Kiss uh, light tuna. Amp Energy. This is brought to you by Amp Energy. So yeah, basically the whole what point a burger. Is, basically <laughs> the whole. I'm just, burger. I'm just, I'm just required to slowly inch this closer to the camera until it eventually takes over. Oh boy. So that was, so that was basically one of the best 500s ever. But the problem is, is that uh, for a lot of fans, at least according to Twitter, what um, from what um, all of us that saw on Sunday. The commercials really ruined the race for a lot of people. And Jared, you were watching the broadcast. All right. Like, take us through the entire, <laughs> or either the broadcast <laughs> or the freaking commercials, one of the two. But uh, basically, take us through the entire experience from start to finish. Like, what was it like from lap one to lap 200? You're like just well, going through say, all the commercials in the race. Okay. Pre race. And this is why I say Mike Joy nails these things and should be in, in a broadcast, even if he's not in a booth. Mike Joy. And Daytona and all them nailed the pre-race, and it, it sent chills down my spine watching it. That just they, I like they, the CGI thing too. It they was, did. That was great. Cool. 
and great. they had a proper like at track setup for for then, once. Then the race started. Uh, they, so they 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 did the first ten, which I don't think is egregious. They've always done that. Uh, but they have a new producer. I think it was Larry Mack. I think it was that said it. They have a new producer who had a history in college football, who would front load mm. broadcasts with commercials early. And to be fair, the last I think thirty or forty green flag laps and the the green white checkers, they had no commercials except side by side. So good on them for that. I understand the thinking here, but I think I updated you guys either in one of our chats that. I at the twentieth or so commercial break, on average, there was a commercial every seven point like one eight laps. There was a point Oof. where uh they you know, they come back, they go to commercial, come back, Mike Joy goes, The seventy fifth season of NASCAR is brought to you by Coca Cola. This, 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 this. And it's like Brad Kozlowski is your leader. We'll update you on the field right after this. And I'm like So bad. Geez, it, it fit it fit. There were times it fit into the joke of, wow, my, my commercial viewing is getting interrupted by NASCAR. And I get why they do it. But it to me, what this screams, because uh, credit, I don't know if he's in the chat right now, but if you are, credit to GP Laps for doing the research on the 2001, 2010, and 2023 Daytona 500s on how many laps were, um, were like under green that were on commercial and it was less than 2001 more than 2010 but what it shows is like these broadcasts have very just very little adaptation has been given to them yeah. in 20 years and the, and the people have changed fans and viewing habits have changed and uh yeah and i know that nascar fans don't like uh say you know us talking that much about it but i feel like this is the biggest effect formula one has had in american motorsports is now people just cannot stand commercials. And I know they that they can't necessarily get rid of all of them while they work with Fox and NBC. But I'm gonna, I'm going to put a solution up here. NASCAR needs to put some money forward on either a broadcast team or on the broadcast itself to limit the number of commercials. Figure out what is the return on investment for however much money you would spend on it. Integrate the, you know, maybe I don't know, maybe NASCAR works with one of the teams so instead of having the same Freaking Coca-Cola or Tubi commercial or whatever the hell it was, just shopping like a billionaire one. You, you'll hear it this week. Instead of having that, have like a car that NASCAR specifically sets up with somebody who may not have a sponsorship because there's a lot of sponsorless races for cars that they get last minute. Something like that, just something that can mitigate the amount of commercials because there was no flow to the broadcast. That's why. That's why in my hot take I said Mike Joy is not being given – what what his strengths need because there is no flow to any of these broadcasts until four to go. We might as well have been watching a dual race again by the end. Wow. And remember folks, you can just get NASCAR premium by buying a ticket to the race. And it was a good race. <laughs> yeah, it was a good race. I mean, because it felt like every time I was tweeting that, oh hey, hey, something's happening and and uh, um all of a sudden people are like they're like um they're like uh tweeting back like oh too bad we can't see it. And I'm like, oh, damn, that sucks. Like, because they just this went to commercial. This missed shot was, pr- pr- was provided by Budweiser, the king of I mean, it's, just, that, it, it, it's tough. I'm sorry. It's a difficult spot because Fox and NBC pay a combined like eight or $900 million a year. ESPN's paying like $80 million a year for Formula One. And they have like that mother's 
ticker on the side that basically mother's mother's polish and and they don't have to pay for any broadcast Mm -hmm. cameras or teams or crews to go out there so espn gets f1 basically for free so they can do it commercial free they can run commercial free broadcasts and i do think that has that is an example of how the modern audience the modern consumer has been spoiled because now between netflix youtube with five to 15 second ads Twitter, which is, you can just keep scrolling. TikTok, you can just keep scrolling. You can scroll past an ad in two seconds, in a half a second. I just think younger viewers in particular don't want, like are are unwilling to sit through commercials. And so, yeah, like the GP Labs is a great research, basically showed that the broadcasts have not changed in 20 years. And I think your conclusion is correct, Jarrett, that that's a problem. That's, that tells me that Fox and NBC are not getting creative with their advertising. They're not acknowledging that consumer viewing habits have changed. And that is a problem. They got to evolve. I don't know what the right answer is. Your idea of NASCAR footing some of the bill over the way, you know, F1 and their media companies, you know, their um, production team kind of does. That's a possibility for sure. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the right answer is, but it, it does have to change because it is going to stunt NASCAR's growth. That commercials, I think NASCAR, the harsh consumer commercialism of nascar i think is a turnoff to many people our age i just think that is and that's part of it too is every time they got back from commercial it was brought to you by three or four sponsors that we had to list off or they'd have an onboard camera they'd have an you know the onboard camera presented by Wendy's, presented by Toyota, yeah. where they'd focus on Noah Gregson fifteenth in the pack. Like I don't care about that. Show me the leaders. And you want to <laughs> you know? know what what irks me because of how good it was implemented before. And honestly, you could they can probably find a way to implement it now, depending on how sponsors pay whatever they do. The fact that in the last you know because Fox and NBC's broadcasts in two thousand one were innovative for the time. The fact that in the last 23 years, the most innovative partner with NASCAR was Turner uh, Sports, who had a six-race summer stretch, but managed to get the most important race commercial-free almost every single year and just have commercials on the bottom while you got to still watch the race on the top two-thirds of the screen. I, 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 the fact that the biggest innovation in NAD, NASCAR broadcasting since really starting the modern era of their broadcast happened in 2007 make anyone running nascar especially somebody younger like ben kennedy shudder and like just absolutely have shivers down their spine of how badly it's been handled and just how inept it seemed to be because i mean we talked about it how social media is like right away right away right away at least with tiktok or youtube shorts when an ad pops up i get the satisfaction of getting rid of it (laughs) (laughs) but even with the side-by-side brock um even with the side-by-side coverage too like the most perfect one uh, the most perfect example was when that one wreck happened like immediately as soon as that yeah i laughed and they couldn't even stop they couldn't even stop it they They, were just like nope we're gonna play it i think i don't know if how it was run but it was basically like based on how fox signed it off with the sponsors that they, yeah, they could not break back. Oh my gosh! I, the, the one did in two thousand one, by the way. Yeah, I, I just I look at you know Mike Joy tweeted that you know oh advertisers don't pay as much for side by side ads. I I think I've said this on the show before. I want there to be a study done. Do are side by side ads actually more effective than full screen ads? Because a you're not interrupting my race, so I'm not going to hate you as much. And b <laughs> There's a better chance of me not getting up to go get a beer or go take a piss because there's still a race going on. There's a better yeah. chance I'm going to actually see your commercial. I would wonder if there can be a study done that actually proves that side-by-side commercial spots are more effective than full-screen commercials. I would be curious to see what the results of that study would be. And if the results go well, 
maybe Fox and NBC can start selling those for the same price they sell full screen ads and we can at least get side-by-side coverage. That's that's right. That's that would be my dream scenario. But I don't know if that's actually possible. Watching that, I just I got a I, I'm in a group chat with my family, and a text popped up. My brother is in an ice storm right now up in Illinois. They oh go, gosh! My parents are at a beach in Florida, telling him he goes, "Cool, I'm at the threshold of frozen hell." That's how I felt watching some of the broadcasts. That that is the broadcast equivalent of frozen tundra hell. Is now, like I'll be real by by the middle of the race. I was more in, I was more invested for about thirty laps, counting how many times I went to commercial. Now I want to ask you guys this too because now we saw a lot of this happening not 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 immediately after the race but the following Monday, um, following day after the race. Um, you know some of the industry people too, like they started um, you know looking at some of this data stuff too. Like, what what are your thoughts on like some of their opinions well, that they, all well, some of the fans are not gonna, you know they're the complaining too much. Fox employees. It especially aren't going to go out and go, you're right. Our broadcast was trash. <laughs> well, it's I'm okay with them explaining like Mike Joy explaining, Hey, here's why we couldn't do this. Here's why this happens the way it is. And that's all fine. I, I appreciate neutral. the information. I appreciate the information. Approach. Yeah. But I don't want people to say like, I don't want people like there are a lot of folks reacting to GP lapses numbers that say, see, we didn't do anything wrong. That's how it's always been. <laughs> we did nothing and wrong. And, but then back to Jared's original point, that's the problem. That's yeah. like, you need to account for the changing times. It can't be as you've always been. You do have to change it. You do have to evolve. And so I think some of the folks I saw in the industry who were reacting to GP lapses tweet in that respect were completely missing the point, unfortunately. Yeah, like now it's one thing, I mean, like, I mean, the way Mike Joy, um, um, the way he approached it, I liked because he was, you know, giving facts, you know, this and that and stuff. But then other people... Um, I mean, they were just saying like all the fans are just complaining just to complain. I'm, don't get me wrong, NASCAR fans are known Some to do, do that, but yeah, I mean, yeah. but this isn't this isn't one of those cases though. You know? I will. I, mean, I do kind of a legit problem. I do want to kind of wrap this up by giving Fox some credit for a couple yeah. things. One, I do think front loading the commercials in theory was a good idea. I think in yeah. the end it kind of turned people off early on, unfortunately, that maybe didn't stick around for the end. But in theory, that does make sense. That's logical. I also will give them respect, uh, some credit for tweaking the onboard tiny cameras um, during the weekend. The, you know, the, the sensor bar, the blur was way too big and inconsistent during the duels. <laughs> they they did go it. back and modify it. They fixed yeah. it. It was not nearly as intrusive during the race. So that actually became yeah. a, a kind of a cool camera to go to. So they did make some changes midweek that were, were good, I think. But um, yeah, so I wanted to end on a slightly positive note, but yeah, the broadcast need to, and it goes for NBC as well, because they're big races, Talladega in the fall mm. championship race. They're going to have commercials that irritate fans. And, you know, I, I just hope they're there, able to evolve as well. There he hey, is just, in there. He, GP Hey JP. I'm going to, I just, I just got to say, I find it ironic that we're having this much debate over commercials in a sport that is basically 40 mobilized commercials yeah, going, going 200 miles an hour. I was just thinking of that too. I thought it was crazy, but then I'm like, damn, you're right. Like, like basically NASCAR is one giant commercial anyway. So it's so like, aren't we seeing commercials all the time well, that, when the cars are going around? Well, that was <laughs> the basis of why I said like, why doesn't, you know, especially for teams that struggle with sponsorship, why not have NASCAR be like, Hey, to get rid of maybe one commercial break, you could, you know, we'll load your car up with some of our sponsors and you like a little kickback or something, or you get yeah. you know, just some, some, some kind of way to, to mitigate it. That's, and yeah, that's just all try magic. something. And like, I mean, there, there's, oh, there's all kinds of ways that we're seeing companies find ways to, to get the most bang for their buck in NASCAR. I mean, 
I mean, Eric, for example, I've seen <laughs> him work with some brands that were also working with some cars that were on track. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've they kind of factored in some deals before. Yeah, and uh, I mean, out of the groove was on the, uh, what was it, the six car this weekend? Or no, the four car, right? Like it was a oh, tiny. We, we had a tiny sticker on the one that blew in a blue motor six laps. <laughs> I was unfortunate. I was thinking about that Very too. That's the second. That's the second race you've been on a car, and then like the car has been like um, either camera. crashed out or yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah. Cool yeah but, but hey, this this car, the most important car, finished the race. That's all. Yeah. I Yeah. There you go. There you go. So really quick, thank you guys for voting on the poll. And sixty uh, percent, uh, um, they um, they uh, voted yes for did the commercials ruin the Daytona five hundred for you? Damn, I'm sorry to hear that too, because at the race. Oh, it was spectacular from start oh, to finish. It was a great race when, yeah. when we were able to see it. I I was enjoy it. it. I I yeah. really enjoyed it, but yeah. I think we have more. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, we got. By more. the way, my poor brother in the frozen tundra, the power went out for like a minute and a half. Oh, oh gosh! Riley, you, stay warm. If you're watching, stay warm. Yeah. Man. Yes, but main, meanwhile, it's uh, it was 80 degrees here in Tennessee today. Yeah, so yeah, that sucks. It sucks to hear. But really quick, be so before we, um, this will be a, a a bit of a segue. But right now we have five hundred and sixty nine nice. nice people watching, but only one hundred and seventy nine likes. Make sure to like the like button, everybody. Come on now, let's bring it. Let's bring that back, man. Let's bring it back, everyone. Like it up. Let's get to two hundred, uh, before the top of the hour, which is in about eh, four minutes. So so. Get it going, get going. We're, but, shoot, uh, we're already almost halfway through the show. We yes. still haven't gotten off the day. Yeah, yeah, hey, 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 this is this is uh, the biggest race for I mean, a I mean, yeah. To be fair, that's basically it. Yeah, but the segue is we were talking about our ratings. Let's go over the Daytona 500 weekend ratings. Jarrett, you're the ratings guy. Uh, all the way from the duels to the Daytona 500. Uh, go over them. What were they like? Mo- it was honestly mostly a good weekend. Now we're not going to talk trucks because it got rained out left and right. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's but fair the duels were up five percent from 2022, uh, where they they had about an extra hundred thousand people watching. Qualifying was up six percent. They had an extra fifty k watching. Arca was up twelve percent from 2022. Mm. The Xfinity race was up fourteen percent, and then the Daytona 500 was down. Eight percent, which mm, mm, God, God mm. forbid, I, I say anything about that. Uh, Let's talk. You want to talk eight, about that first? Uh, well, I'll just read off. There were eight point uh. one eight one million viewers, down from eight point eight six eight last year. Um, this also counts all the streaming. Um, and it was the most. It was the largest streaming audience for a NASCAR race in Fox history. That's yeah. good. At, at like a hundred. It was only the still the number was like a hundred thousand. That's not good. Uh, it needs to improve. <laughs> uh, the key demo was twenty two percent, which between the ages of eighteen and forty nine, which is one point eight million of the eight point uh, basically eight point two million that watched. Uh, what are what are our takeaways from this one? I, I I'll I'll, I'll get started. Oh, oh, you, no, Eric, you're the, you're the big dog. No, you're the big dog, bro. You I'm, go you're, first. You you're go the, first. Well, okay. I just I know Jarrett's negative on this and uh, or on the cup <laughs> ratings, especially. I know he is. I'm positive. So on I'm the gonna. Rest of it. It's hard not to be. I mean, they're all yeah. way up. Um, but all, it's all wins until Sunday. <laughs> yeah, and I look at Sunday, and that's it's disappointing for sure that it went down a significant amount. Not like a. You know, we're not talking about like a twenty percent drop off, like the NBA All Star Game the same night that saw a thirty percent decrease oh, in year over year ratings. Yeah, that sucked. And you so, know what? You know that's because of Carl Malone. No one went in there. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if he had that effect. His um, favorite but, number is uh, is uh, twelve, by the way. Okay, but oh man, uh, we're we're memeing and everything, but at the same time, uh, you know, the fact that the NBA All Star Game did, you know, it ended right after the Daytona Five, or it started right as the Daytona Five Hundred ended. 
and it saw a 30% decrease in ratings. Meanwhile, Daytona 500 saw an 8% decrease, but its audience share, as far as the percentage of households in America, like uh, of the number of televisions that were turned on, a higher percentage of them were flipped to the Daytona 500 than in years past. That's both good and bad. I think that's good, but you would hope, I suppose, I think one thing that all the like, oh, NASCAR's doing fine, people are missing, is that you would hope the Daytona 500 was a big enough draw that some of those people who didn't turn on their TV would turn on their TV still and tune into the Daytona and 500. Now, that's the at basis the cor- of what I was saying. That's fair, but I will also then back go back a little bit and say that TV in general, just TV viewership's gone down. It's going down every single year. If you're not the Super Bowl, you're not pulling in massive ratings. NASCAR still won the weekend. It was the highest viewed. I think it was the highest viewed anything all weekend long. I may be wrong about that. It might have just been sports. It was. I think it was. I think it was the highest. It was, it it was still, it won the weekend, if you will. And yeah, it peaked at just over 10 million viewers uh, at the, at the finish at that, (laughs) the the call that I was criticizing earlier. So I, I think it's, it's not great. I think the fact that the numbers were up throughout the week is great. I think the Daytona 500 rating is better than the minus 8% says, but it's not perfect. I'm not going to spin it as a complete and total positive. It's, I would say it's neutral. I'm very so, neutral on the Daytona 500 number. I I also have a bit of, I'm going Larry Mack and getting trends here. Um, there, this, so this race was the lowest watched scheduled run Daytona 500 without rain, an asteroid hitting it, something happening. No, uh, Danny, as an asteroid hits Danny uh, for a moment. Um, but where where I'm running into to issue with this is there's there I to me, I think what what set me trying to to explain myself more on this, and I said it in the video today. I don't think NASCAR and and it's proven by the ARCA tr- uh, truck rating and, and attendance, especially at the race this weekend, uh, the Xfinity race qualifying all that. The core audience of NASCAR is solid. It's not changing. I think, honestly, it's probably growing. The problem is that NASCAR's reach outside of its own little bubble is damn near irrelevant. The fact that we had a clip last year get 100 million views in like a day and a half, and it did nothing to make the ratings bump up ahead of the finale the year before. So I think what it says is more that NASCAR needs to work on its reach more because when I look at, at, I I have in my hands right now, I have the history of NASCAR's TV ratings for the Daytona 500 since 1979. All written down. All written down because I'm an old head. Um, But one thing that I noticed about it when I looked back is that from 1979 up until last year, Every scheduled Daytona 500 had 9 million more or more viewers. Until last year, they had eight, basically 8.9, and this year having 8.2. Uh, the rating itself, 4.3. And I think the rating is more important than the share, and I think people aren't focusing on uh, enough on that. They're like, it, It's like you said, Eric. If this, if this race was a big enough draw to people, they'd turn on the TV to watch. I, it, It's kind of like... You know, you're kind of ruling an empire of dirt if there's less people there, but at least you got more of the people that are still left over. And the fact that, uh, where's it at? 78% of the audience was 50 or older. Like, that's Oof. just unsustainable. Yeah. Especially for the biggest race. And I'm going to say this 
I do not, I am not saying this as doom and gloom. Uh, based on the trends of the last couple uh, run Daytona 500s, the ratings the rest of the year could actually go up still. Like this is not some, this is not something that's going to be very damning for the entire year. Uh, based on the trends of the last five Daytona 500s that have run scheduled, the next race is about give or take 40 to 48% lower, which means that a majority of that range if Fontana were to hit that, would be an increase actually from last year, which I th- I think is fully possible because, like I said, I think the base is there. Uh, I just it it I struggle to see the huge positives that people are trying to spin it with. Especially the one that surprised me was Denny Hamlin, like trying to make it seem like it was a really good thing. We lost seven hundred thousand viewers year over. I mean, year. it's nothing to brag about. I mean, it's not a it's not a w, it's not the end of that's the world. For sure. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, but it's not all gloom and doom though. However, and um, somebody in the chat just pointed out um, um the peak was uh ten point two million at least though. I mean, that's it just, good. It just speaks to me that as TV dies and more and more entertainment options continue to be available because, you know, 15 years ago, YouTube and TikTok weren't a thing. Uh, the, the internet was barely a thing. For example, Netflix wasn't really, I think Netflix wasn't at 2007. When did it become they were, Netflix we know today, like 2010 oh, or something? They were, so they were still freaking delivering DVDs. Exactly. Uh, so like just, there are way more, there are far more entertainment options available mm-hmm. today than there were 15 or 20 years ago. So once again, like, just as we talked about Fox and NBC need to evolve their broadcasts. I do think NASCAR needs to evolve their product and, you know, they're trying to emphasize social media more and it's not going to, they're not going to flip a switch and resonate with all the 16 year olds overnight, but you know, they do have to just start spreading their footprint a bit more. And I think teams are starting to figure that out. They're enhancing their hospitality at the track. I think track house was the first to do this. They added more like lights and nice chairs this week. All the teams had big banners up in the garage and extra decals and things. And there was a lot of VIPs and guests uh, like sponsor guests at the track. So the in-person experience, the social media presence, you're just going to have to expand everything that's outside of TV as TV continues to dwindle because I think this day and age, there's only a a handful of must-see, can't-miss television events on American television every year. Super Bowl, um, maybe like presidential debates. Probably that's presidential presidential debate. That's not every year. I would say the like opening night of the Summer Olympics. Yeah, maybe, but that's it. And you would kind of hope, you know, obviously you're not going to get 100 million viewers for the Daytona 500 ever again, but you know, you would hope that like the Daytona 500 could at least be in like that, you know, and like national, like NCAA national title game territory, or it could be maybe in that you know World Series Game Seven territory. Actually, it might be. I don't know what kind of ratings the World Series is getting this year. It might be, <laughs> no, it might be in the same ballpark. They're in the high teens, I think. Yeah, uh, I think they're in the teens, so it's not I'm quite there. Uh, it's it's not there. Like you would hope you could break into that echelon where you are among the must see you every sports bar in America is tuned into your show once night a year. And right now I don't think the Daytona 500 has that. So, so I'm not going to get too upset about the ratings. The audience share going up is a good thing, but it's just, you know, how do you get those people who didn't turn on their TV to turn on their TV? And that's where you're missing. Jesse Potts brought up something good in the chat. makes me wonder, how many viewers are pirating the broadcast now? There's so many ways to illegally get a is stream the world, these days. Thousands is, the world of Twitch, is the World Cup that big in America? What kind of America ratings does the World Cup get in America? Uh, I mean, like soccer, I mean, their presence is starting to grow. Um, I mean, more than usual. Because I said American TV, one, though. it might be big. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but there there are 
I don't know how to find them. I'm not going to tell people how to find them. There are pirated uh, streams. There are pirated there. streams on Twitch and with thousands I, of people watching. Yeah. I wanted to know if this would happen, and I didn't get a chance to really pay attention. But at football games, people would just be sitting in their seats, live streaming it on TikTok. And I'm curious, did that happen? Was the Daytona 500 live from someone's phone on TikTok, I wonder? It was. That's, that'd be the worst viewing experience. Yeah. Uh, imagine watching the Daytona 500 through some bozo's like True. 3G live stream yeah. from the stands. Oh, my God. Glitches, it glitches in and out. Oh, my God. I, I do want to end this, even though there's like a little bit of, of negative with it. I want to spin a little bit of positive, too. And I, I want spin's the wrong word. I want to show a bit of positive. Uh, the average viewers per race since 2018 actually has slightly went up, even with the Daytona 500 losing 1.1 million viewers. Now, I'm not saying them losing that viewership is good. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is NASCAR, it seems like, is consistently with their hardcore base. It's sticking around longer into the season now. So they're doing something yeah. right in that yeah. respect. Now well, it's a matter of building maybe on it. Maybe it's just a question of, and I don't think this is the case, but we, we I know we wrote this down. We didn't get to it tonight, but one of the questions was with Stenhouse winning, he's not really a great driver, is, you know, do drivers like him winning so much, does that cheapen the Daytona 500 all, at all? And That's I wonder, it. like, like is that, that is that part of it? Is the Daytona 500, like, it's still the biggest race, mm -hmm. but, like, you know, has the Daytona 500 come down a little bit and has Martinsville fall gone up to where it's like some at some point they might meet in the middle somewhere? Like, is that happening? That's I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, though, Eric, because, I mean, one thing I did notice, I mean, like, I'm happy Stenhouse won, you know, underdog story, all that, I mean, all, you know, all that good stuff, but, I mean, I noticed the engagement on, like, his, like, you know, social medias and stuff, and, like, usually when a driver wins the Daytona 500, like a Joey Logano, like, it's up a lot, but, like, I don't know, like, it seems like it's down this year, you know, compared to years past, and, yeah, I don't know, I mean, that could have something to do with like, you know, uh, certain drivers uh, winning and certain drivers not winning, unfortunately. But oh, I mean, the yeah. last, what, three winners of the Daytona 500 have like a combined, I think, five wins or something. Yeah, like they're just not, they're just not well known like that outside of the hardcore fan base. So, oh, and, and you have two rain delayed yeah. races too in there in 2020 and 2000 and, and, and uh, mm -hmm. 21. And people forget 2020, the race started out with like, 12, 13 million people watching. And even when they do get people there early, celebrities, presents, whatever, the trend still is that it goes up because of word of mouth. So they're, 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 it's showing that, you know, yes, you might have to get something outside the racing to bring people in, but you can still get that buzz as recently as three years ago. And I, I don't think that that much of NASCAR has changed in three years that makes it that much less appealing than it was pre-pandemic. I think it's more appealing now, personally. I agree. But yeah, I I think that this that just about does it um with the uh, ratings uh deal, but back to our own personal ratings. It's time for the poll. The famous iceberg poll. I love that star with the podcast. I love how Darian tries to stay quiet and his still blows his mic out. It's oh, I blew it out again. Gosh. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> so when I asked uh, what people thought about this year's edition of the Great American Race, 28% uh, said it was great. 48% uh, said it was good. 17 average, 4 below average, 3 bad. So 78 or 76, I should say, I can math, uh, said it was a net positive and 7 negative. Uh, all right, first comment, guys. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to go with positive. Positive. I'm going to go with positive. 
I didn't even get that. I haven't even said the name. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot. Pos- to positive, right. negative, or meme. Spencer Purcell. Positive. Positive. Meme. And once again, that'll do it for the 65th annual Daytona 500. And then it goes down. Lots of lead changes. Definitely more than last year's 500. A lot of action throughout the day. I had fun watching this incredible 500. Great way to kick Me off. Me, man, positive. Great, yeah, great way to kick off the 75th season of NASCAR. Can't wait to head to Fontana next weekend. We're back, oh, baby. That's right. Nice. Let's go. Well, I don't think it was really meme. It was, it was just positive. That's positive, yeah. Memed a little bit at the beginning. That's my own little that's my own little personal piece there. But but yeah. Uh we'll get a couple of these. We we've went so we've we've been going long. We gotta look that's at the people that's are the latest now. that's the latest we've ever gone um up. We've ever we still have to talk uh, about Xfinity and trucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so right, I'll, good, I'll read the good first for us and good for Zane. Done. done. <laughs> I'll read the first couple here though. I Isaac said the worst part about all the commercial breaks is that they consistently took away from the great entertaining racing we had. Let's hope they allow more side by side commercials with the new TV contract. Uh Tank Slapper, he said it's a shame the race ended under a caution. But we, as NASCAR fans, have to accept that safety should be paramount. And that oh, yeah, definitely deserved a caution. Dude, Larson straight That's up true. just hit the wall head on. So, yeah. No, Keselowski, too. They just blasted it. Mm-hmm. Arkle 8000. <laughs> Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? Really? Wow. <laughs> what a race. That was unexpected. Hopefully, this can start a season uh, better than last year's. The way he just said that. Like, really? I- like, he won? Really? Uh, yeah. Hey, hey! I take Ricky Stenhouse Jr. because I heard someone say, "Well, at least it wasn't a Logano win." <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people had said that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Going down, going down, going down, down, down. Uh, Bobby here said the racing overall was really good. Happy for Stenhouse; he deserved this with how well he's run in Daytona 500s. Fun race, kind of reminded me of old school Daytona. Yeah, the handling part definitely. Yeah, definitely. Now let's go down to the the bottom of these over oh, yes. the good bottom. ones. Bottom, the bottom the barrel. The, the bottom beaters. The bottom dwellers. We're uh we're gonna be scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Yep. Uh if I can get there. There's so many. Down comments. to the gutters. The, down to the gutters of the comment section. I love the gutters. Get your head out of the gutter, Jared. <laughs> All right. I, I want to uh preface every time I read these. These are not my thoughts. I'm only just trying to get both sides of it. And anyone who takes this out of context, I will put this disclaimer up like the end of a damn NASCAR broadcast. All right. All right. Let's see. We'll go with the last three instead of five. That way I can vet it easier. There you go. Uh, The race went to bleep after Suarez ran out of talent. Byron wrecked (laughs) Dylan. Pastrana Mm. being an idiot and wrecking the field. I am so pissed off. Hopefully, Byron and Suarez never win again. Whoa. Oh my God. That was not me that said that. I just want to just. Dang. Man, it's uh, so hard. Wow, that was a harsh one. I hope he ever wins again. Jeez. Uh, Sassy. But you know what? He, it could have been worse. So, you know. Yeah. Joshua I think the fact that it won. wasn't worse is what makes it hit a little harder. <laughs> like, that's why I'm like, whoa. Like, he's got a point. <laughs> uh, Joshua gets straight to the point. Oh. It was terrible, as always said. Oh, well, Whoa, yeah, that's kind of man, two completely man. different comments. In a yeah, there. two totally ones. All right, what's the third one? The third one's from Hollywood Kevin, who said... Hi, Kevin. Another... Right. Uh, this is going to be good. Get the memes ready, baby. Another uh, manufactured finish. Another manufactured winner. NASCAR is so scripted. It's more scripted 
than professional wrestling. What? He's, here's to 75 years NASCAR. Hope you keep the manufactured BS for years to come. And then <laughs> there's a bunch, there's a couple responses. And some of the first response is if it was actually scripted, <laughs> Kyle would have won it. It was his yeah. race. Yeah. And, and Junior would have been an eight time champion by now if it were actually scripted. Uh, and also, that just sounds like bait to me. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. Another big comment. I always, I always uh. find it fun watching people's uh, fun comments. I'll just say that. Yes. Ricky Stenhouse, when he sees the script to this year's Daytona 500. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! I'm going to go to some pull ups. celebrating. Yeah, he was celebrating. He's like, yep. I, and and um, those uh, those little uh, pull ups, that was uh, improvising. That wasn't in the script. So. Uh, added that himself hey, but, he's uh, breaking the the nascar yeah. stereotype that's a bunch of just fat rednecks oh you know, yeah ain't, just ain't riding circles they you know eat their dunkin donuts and blah 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 just driving circles here all the time yeah breaking one I stereotype one donuts day. is part of it but okay <laughs> let me, dunkin let me... donuts lost suarez a sponsor <laughs> yeah <laughs> You could have at least got in a car because of that. See, the reason I said Dunkin' Donuts, I had this freaking like avocado thing. It's so good. I'm I so went to Dunkin' Donuts at the airport the other day and had like the worst breakfast sandwich I've ever had in my Aww. life. So I'm not really feeling Dunkin' Donuts right what now. Was it? Which one was it? Oh, it was just it was just like egg and bacon. Oh, cheese. that's why. It was that's like, your problem. That's why. It, well, it's like that you get that anywhere and it's just fine. It was good, yeah. but this was like terrible. The egg was burned. The like cheese tasted stale, and the bacon was rubbery. Well, I was. I, I was. I had one of the, I had one of those Saturday. Mine was fine. So yeah, same here. Bush Intercontinental uh, Dunkin' Donuts. You need to do better. But yeah, but no. So sorry for the uh, random ad placement there. But uh, that'll do it for another edition of the famous Iceberg Poll on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Oh my gosh, we still have two more races to talk about. Uh, we can <laughs> we go, go quick through Xfinity. We, we can really, get them. Yeah, we can get. We really just have to focus on the finish. Uh, yeah. What happened to Junior Motorsports there? Ooh, I haven't implosion. watched. I haven't watched. Oh, I've not listened to slash watched Dale Jr.'s podcast. So I know he covered it. I don't know what his reaction yeah. was yet. I haven't watched it yet, but yeah, I don't know. It was bad. It was rough. Look, it, I don't know what the seven was doing there. I mean, like look, I, that finish was, it was, um, it was reminding me of the 2000 Daytona 500 where out of nowhere, Johnny Benson gets the lead and he has to hold off like five or six Fords. Not going to happen. The Fords all freight trained him on the bottom line and they left him out to dry. And then within one lap, he was, um, he went from, uh, from P1 to P12. That's what teamwork, uh, that's what, uh, that's what teamwork will do for you. And, Austin Hill was in a similar situation. I mean, at this point, I feel like Austin Hill is the best uh, super speedway racer in the Xfinity series. He, had, he also year. had a ridiculous car, though. Yeah, like, that car I, was like, good. Man, he's right, won like three or I think he's won three of these races in the last year, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Yep. So like, it's definitely driver too. But the car was yeah, it was certainly good. But I mean, dude, no way he should have he should have outlasted those four junior motorsports entries. What should have happened was they should have all Frank trained him either on the inside or the outside. I mean, I know he was blocking like crazy, but there's four of y'all. You really think he's just going to wreck all you guys? Like, but all of a sudden, you know, it all, it all goes to shit towards the end there. Like, like Eric. Well, said, I all got like, pulled out. Like, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> ball game oh, atrocious. Whoa, 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 yo, bro. <laughs> like he, he, I'm serious. He is the reason they lost that race. And I, when I went live yeah. after the race. I had people being like, "Oh, that's so they were so rigged against JRM." It's like they 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 did it to themselves. Oh. They did, they did it to themselves. themselves. And then the poor and then poor Brendan Jones got taken out there towards the end, and he, yeah, he took him, he, himself. Yeah, yeah, he took himself out. Oh, but, oh no, my mind. But like going back to the the Allgaier moment. <laughs> yeah, going back to the Allgaier moment because yeah, every junior motorsports driver made a had something bad or made a bad decision. Uh, Josh Berry ran out of fuel. 
Justin Allgaier went low a lap early. I the, so I went back and rewatched it uh, after the fact, and the only want to say excuse I can give to Justin Allgaier is that it looked like the few laps leading up to the finish there, it looked like a couple times Josh Berry did kind of think, okay, now I'm going to go. And then he didn't really get a run, didn't time it right, and and Hill was able to easily block. So maybe Allgaier was just looking and saying, hey, Josh Berry's no, like, I know there's four of us, but Josh Berry's not going to be able to make the right first move. Like, he's not a super speedway racer. He's still new at this. So I think maybe that's the only excuse I can give Allgaier is that he just looked at what Josh Berry was doing and said, he's not going to get the job done. I have to try. That's the only excuse, but it screwed everything up because then Brandon Jones made so, a bad block. Then Sam Mayer bad, bad, made a bad block and flipped and it all went to shit. It went bad. It went so bad real fast. So basically what you're saying is Justin Allgaier thought he was him and I, failed. Yeah, I <laughs> think he just <laughs> bit, off, bit off a little yeah. more than he could chew. You thought, yeah, you thought you were him. You're, you're not that guy, pal. You're yeah, not that you guy. That guy not that guy, clearly. Pal. You're, You're not, not that, that guy. guy. Now, for a moment, it was looking like Sam Mayer was about to be guy uh, uh, that, be that guy, guy for a moment. No, we but... all yeah, knew it, it wasn't. Because then uh, he turns right on his teammate as well. Yeah, I, I don't blame I him. He's going yeah, for his first I, win. I, but I, when it doesn't I, go well, when it goes that bad, if, if like at least Allgaier still wins the race, okay. But the fact that he's flipped and Allgaier loses. Okay, ah, I'm going to say I, this. I got to go go give that to Sam Mayer. That the, what got him flipped was on him for doing that, from yeah, what I saw. I'm going to say the same thing I said on Saturday night, what you saw with those teammates and some of the other guys that are in that field is why they're Xfinity drivers and not cup drivers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, you subtweeting Justin Allgaier right there. So I, I, I mean, mean, I saw him crash at Talladega when I was there. I think both the last two times I was there. I mean, he's not race. wrong. He's not wrong. He did. He, he was heads up early in the race when uh, Austin Hill did make a bad block and Allgaier kind of bailed him out. I'll give him some credit for that. That could have been bad. A dumb, like a more a younger, less experienced driver would probably just well, kept their foot in and wrecked everybody. <laughs> look, I, you know, Junior Motorsports—they obviously have to, you know, have better communication for these closing laps at these uh, super speedways because they are extremely way too talented to to just give up races like that. I mean, Junior Motorsports giving up, you know, wins at freaking Daytona like that. I mean, you don't see that happening often. Like, so they just got to sort that out. But um. Ooh, what what else happened? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, a uh, an Earnhardt, uh, and I saw this happening too immediately. I mean, Jeffrey mm. Earnhardt was on pace to a uh, top ten finish with uh, Tommy Joe Martin. He's a friend of the show too, and I uh, spoke to Tommy Joe afterwards. He was not happy about this one. Uh, Parker Parker Kligerman. I mean, props to Parker Kligerman though. He was the only one trying to make something happen in those closing laps. It seemed like, but dude, you just cleared yourself on another on a uh, a small team. And my thing is, is that, okay, what he did was messed up to begin with anyways, but Parker should know better because dude, you're a career journeyman. Like, I know this is like, you know, um, I know this team is uh, basically, um, this is the, uh, the best team he's ever been with in Xfinity, correct? Arguably. I mean, um, I know he drove, I know, no. I know he drove for he drove no, for Kyle he, Bush, but I mean, was he, he really that competitive? I, I would I would still put KBM above the same. I mean, he and he was even running some races for Penske. So oh okay oh yeah that's right that's right okay so never mind yeah, but basically okay that. the best ride he's gotten full time in quite some time okay that's fair to say um but yeah Kligerman should know better and talking with Tommy Joe Martins afterwards I mean like he wasn't ripping the guy fully I mean he had every right to though because that car I mean I mean it was on pace to have a top 10 and a top 10 for that team is huge like really really huge and now they're running three cars I think I I think Dale Jr. missed the mark only getting Jeffrey since he's co-workers with Parker oh yeah but basically get them both on the show together yeah what Tommy Joe said let let him let him either hug it out or fight it out 
Exactly. Uh, I, I think Jeffrey I, was going uh, more towards fighting. I don't know. And I, Jeffrey's and for those who don't know, he's uh he has been a professional MMA fighter. fighter. Yeah, MMA fighter. Yeah. yeah. Saw him kick kick somebody and just knock him out. But anyways, what Tommy Joe had said after the race was basically he wasn't ripping Parker. He actually called him like, dude, I think he's a badass, but yeah, he should know better. Like he cleared himself there too. And, and then Parker uh, has called out other drivers for bad moves before. Yes, exactly. And he does it for a living as well on the broadcast too. And then, you know, during the week sometimes too. So it's kind of funny to see him, but his post-race uh, interview, I was expecting him to take more responsibility as far as the 44 was Three. concerned, but I didn't hear enough in my opinion. Like, well, I didn't he had enough. to be, he had to be prompted. Like he immediately, when he started talking to reporters afterwards was like, Oh yeah, the deal with um the Creed, with, Creed. With Creed. Yeah, earlier. Yeah. He kind of like, was like, yeah, I guess that was on me. Like I thought I pushed him the right way. Like, no, nah, we're talking back. about the most recent one. Yeah, like, yeah, and we were all kind of like, "Well, are you going to bring up what about the Earnhardt deal?" You know, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, he's he's allowed to make mistakes, even though he obviously is commenting and criticized other. Hey, he's allowed to make was, a mistake. That no, wasn't well, no, a mistake. Though. Let me finish. He's allowed okay, to make mistakes, but not that bad. That like that was a really bad error. He was nowhere close to clearing uh or the forty four. I guess was that the number Earnhardt was. Yes. Uh, yes. And and it's just you're going for one position for ninth or 10th in this race. Like, like I don't know. I just, it, it was bad. It was a and really bad. I think move. it's just more, the, the frustrating part is that for the team, for the teams that they are. Yeah. Kligerman might get more chances at other tracks. Earnhardt, these super speedways are, are all yeah. they got. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, they have more of them now, thanks to Atlanta and Talladega and another Daytona race. So yeah, I mean, those are rare though. I mean, it's rare opportunities for him. So I mean, yeah, I can totally, I, I understand. But uh, the post race interview was funny with Toby Chrissy though, who was like, "Hey, hopefully, um, hopefully uh, he uh, won't end up in the uh, back in the uh, care center." I just, I'm just gonna say this: I vote anytime Parker gets into an incident with another driver that that week that driver gets to go on to Parker's show on uh, his NBC sports show. And that's, and that's fair. Or, 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 or Parker's YouTube channel or something like that. Yeah. That seems like the fair thing to do. Exactly. And then but, uh, there was the final the race. race. Yeah. So the track race, <laughs> we were on our way today. Tony. As, as, we were watching there, it in the car. Has oh. it started yet? <laughs> has it like actually, have they run any green flag laps to that yet? I was in, I we saw that was just, I don't think there's much we really can say about yeah. this. It Look, just never really got going. No. No. Look, basically, you know, like Haley Deegan, she got involved in some mess in, in some BS. I mean, she was looking very promising in stage one, but I mean, I guess they, you know, pit strategy put her all the way to the back. And then, you know, the guys just couldn't race, unfortunately. So, hey, we'll see how she performs the rest of the season, though. So I'm not going to entirely say, like, oh, it's over here because it is just Daytona. Um, but yeah, for the most part, though, tons of, you know, stop and go for rain, you know, um, in total, um, 39 green flag laps and uh, 40 caution laps. Yeah. Wow. The thing I crazy. noticed right on the broadcast and I, I wanted to point out is it was the largest truck series crowd since 2011, which means it was about 55,000 people for a truck race. That's, no, it was big. That's great to see. Yeah, yeah I was like looking I, at the broadcast. Yeah. I'm like, this is a truck race? Like in 2023? Yeah. I, like, I went ahead and snuck up into the grandstands for it. And I was sitting way down at the end. And I took a video and posted it thinking, because like from that angle, it's like you see, it feels like it's, mm-hmm. there's more people in there. You don't see the gaps as much. But I'm like, this looks packed. And so I was asking like people at home watching TV. I was like, is it as crowded as I thought? And then when this came out, I was like, yeah, well, I guess it was. <laughs> I guess this was as crowded as a truck race has been in a long, long time. So that was great. That was good to see. Yeah, but Zane Smith could, wins. Yeah, congrats I mean, to Zane Smith. What what else happened? Well, Raja Karuth made a a bit of a mistake. He made a bold. Learn. Yeah, he made a bold move into a hole that wasn't entirely there. 
I think he's I, still I think he's still learning. He's still learning. I, I, got, I don't. I I just don't see why so much of the blame got put put on him when the, the hole was there. He couldn't back out by the time it started closing up. Like I I thought it was just a racing deal personally. I like, just think if you're not to the inside of the guy before you get to the corner, you shouldn't expect to fill that gap in the corner. I think that's the that's the only like I think a veteran driver would probably see that and say that. Um, but no, you're right. I I wouldn't put all. I put seventy percent on Raja and thirty percent. It just on a, a thirty-eight. We know these moments are going to happen with him, and it just sucks that there's going to be so much of a microscope on him because of those comments that was made by by Phelps about yep. him. Thanks, and Phelps. R- Richard Petio was you know posing by his car and uh, Jimmy Johnson yeah. being a part the of that. Deal it's too. like yeah. I like I like Raja. I I just wish there wasn't this huge of a microscope on him so early. Yeah, they, they just put they put such a huge spotlight on him. Um, but I I like he he seems to handle the spotlight really well. He he, he, does, he keeps yeah. his composure really well for a kid who's I don't know how old is he now twenty. He's I younger think. than us. Yeah, he's younger than us. <laughs> and and and, so. and and side note, when I was at Daytona, I had the opportunity to meet uh, a nice young man who's part of NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program, Nathan Lyons. He's a fan oh, of yeah. our. He's a fan his of our mom. channels. Uh, he, he races in IDK Players League. Um, so I'm I, speaking of microscopes. I got my own personal microscope on him because I want to see how he does now. And uh, yeah. getting a chance to meet him uh, was good to meet him and his mom. Yeah, very nice people. For sure. I said hi to uh, Lavar Scott, who uh, oh yeah, I, I, he, he yeah. did. He I did thought great. he was gonna. I thought he was gonna win it. He was up front yeah, at the end. I don't remember exactly where he finished, but he's he's another uh, driver. Yeah, and on his plan, plan. Uh, apparently that was his only ARCA race for this year. He plans on running the entire East season, though. By so, the way, Rod turns they, twenty-one in June. Oh, oh, see, I, yeah, I, I would, yeah. I would say with with Lavar's run at Daytona, he can probably get something lined up for Talladega. Yeah, he should. He should. If you can run up front that, that much. Shout out yeah. shout out to Frankie Muniz, though, actually being competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in the like top very, five at one point. But uh, I, I, I said this, I, I figured he could be here. I want to see how he does in the National Fairgrounds and all these other tracks. Huh. So you said there's an ice storm, and uh, it's a little warm out here. But internally, oh, I'm feeling a little something. And oh, I feel it. It's striking me. I think it's striking me like last time. I think I can smell it. And it's the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast, everybody. Jarrett, what do we have on tap for tonight? Uh, four quick points. I think I can get through them all in like 10 seconds here. First off, oh. Jace Elliott's now a member of the Coca-Cola racing family, fitting for mm. the Georgia boy. He, he said he had to try and it first. NAS, don't remind <laughs> me. NASCAR and Toyota uh, had a display at the Chicago Auto Show this past weekend, and we're promoting mm. it, and they I think they sold out or got rid of all the flyers they had. Uh, there have been, this is a fact from Jeff Gluck, there have been 11 different winners in the consecutive races at traditional super speedways, a.k.a. Daytona Talladega, so that's interesting. Oh. That is uh, interesting. 2311 interesting. earlier today had said that uh, the long-term plan, whether it's 24, 25, or onwards, is to expand the team and grow it to three or four cars full-time. And the Dover Cup race is going to be the worth 400. That's all. I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at Crash the Hedgehog says, Bumpy Daytona is here. Just ask Connor Daly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It feels bumpy to me, guys. I don't know what you're talking about. Is it it supposed to feel like this? You know know what this car was the equivalent of? The NASCAR equivalent of, hey, guys, you want to go fishing? Let's go fishing, guys. Oh, man. Is that it? 
Is that all? Is it? Oh my goodness! That was a flash flood. Yeah, that was a flash flood. Oh my goodness! But that was the quickest ground on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. And now I I just love how his radio voice is still going to peak out no matter what. I'm trying ASMR voice next. All right, hold on. (laughs) Let me try it. And that'll conclude the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll start doing that from now. Sounds like you're. That is radio voice. Sounds like you're reading an audio book to me. (laughs) Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Asked calmly. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? (laughs) I did not comprehend anything that Jared just said. (laughs) It's just like the movie. Oh my gosh. Ivana Kadabra. Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) my favorite actress. (laughs) Oh, I I side note. If I want to so I mentioned one thing that wasn't in the lightning round. I just want to say, uh, as a as a cat dad, condolences to the Almanangers mm-hmm. uh, about their uh, cat, Mister Tickles. By the way, yeah. I just had to say that. Yeah, sad news. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, best wishes to them. Yeah, sad news for them. But uh, I know we were talking about commercials, but sorry guys, if yes, we have our very own commercials, I know, I know. Sorry, sorry guys, but we're y'all hypocrites. know the deal. Y'all know the deal, man. Hey, we got to get paid too. We got to eat. We got to eat. You're not paying my bills. We gotta right, eat. Who, who is it? Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you to the fine folks at Lionel Diecast. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR. Pre-order your favorite drivers 2023 next-gen diecast now at lionelracing.com at at uh, excuse me at lionelracing.com or any uh, authorized Lionel retailer. Uh, so. You know, we're only one of us gets to show a, uh, a diecast. I figured I'd make it a very special one. Uh, this is for all the uh, the Chase Elliott haters. Yes, he is a champion. You have to respect the fact he is a champion, and he's finished in the top ten every year since being in the Cup Series. So he doesn't suck. I know you guys love hating on him, but he's really good. But uh, this edition, I love this uh, this championship scheme because uh, it's very unique. Got the nap and stuff, but also the uh, the year he won the championship during the 2020 season. But oh my goodness, look at that. Whoa, you wasn't expecting that, was you? Yes, uh-uh. I was. I already knew what that was. <laughs> yeah, well, if you have it, if you have it, yeah, you'd expect it already. But yeah, but obviously, Chase Elliott is the son of NASCAR legend Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott is also a former Cup Series champion back in 1988. So, in honor, they wanted to uh, do a little uh, tribute scheme, um, infusing both of their cars. And I do like the detail where, you know, it's just, you know, 2020 rims and then obviously his old uh, Ford rims um, from back in the day. But yeah. So uh, one of my favorite diecasts, and uh, again, this is one of the many diecasts that Lionel Racing has to offer. Um, and and uh, also make sure don't miss the latest NASCAR Authentics wave at a Walmart near you. Thank you, Lionel. And uh, side note, a lot of us got to meet uh, Carlene. She's kind of the the vo- the voice that behind all the Lionel Racing uh, social media posts. So it's good to get to meet her this weekend. Yes, yes, it was. And and one final time, thank you so much to the fine folks at Lionel Racing for supporting the NASCAR Weekly Podcast and the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. Thank you, Trackhouse. Okay, so it's th- this is the only other story we have to talk about until we get into uh, the uh, Auto Club preview, but uh. Hey, track house stability. A uh, a lot um a lot had happened since the uh, the last show. Actually, the uh, the following day, uh, track house uh, secured. They um they actually extended Ross Chastain uh, to track house for quite some time. Uh, both drivers will be locked in until twenty twenty five. Eric, I'll start off with you. Uh, what is track house got cooking, man? I mean, I, what do you think about this? I mean, now that we know their drivers are locked in, I mean, 
is this team destined to become a Hendrick Motorsports type team with this stability? I mean, like Hendrick, they do have stability and that is key. Um, drivers like Daniel Suarez and Roush Chastain, this is kind of new for them, especially since they got into the NASCAR ranks, or at least especially until they got into the NASCAR Cup Series. It's 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 a slightly risky move for both sides because if we look at Daniel Suarez's Cup career, he's had, I'd say, one objectively good season, and it was last year. If we look at Roush Chastain's Cup Series career, I know he hasn't really been great equipment, but he's only had one good, great, it was a very good, Cup Series season. And if we look at Trackhouse, which is a very new new team, still a newborn baby, wouldn't even even started preschool if it was a child. They've only had one good season. I think they're going to have a lot of great seasons because I think the next gen, I think they're one of the teams that bought into the next gen, the idea of the next gen uh, early on. And I do think they're well-equipped. I think they have powerful partners. I think they're, they've obviously done a great job selling their drivers. So I think they're going to have the funding. I think they've already proven they have the personnel. They're able to adapt quickly. So I think this is going to work out for everyone. But you know, it's not quite like Hendrick. You mentioned Hendrick, where Hendrick, they have decades, decades upon decades of a proven track record. Different drivers coming in, coming out. They rarely miss a step. They might miss a step for a couple of years here, like they did around 2017, 2018, but it won't last long. Trackhouse, I think they're built for the future. I think they'll be a contender for many years to come. I'm more confident in Ross Chastain than I am Daniel Suarez at this point. So it's a little risky. It's a little risky for both parties. I think Suarez does a lot of good things for that team, especially from a marketing standpoint. Can he deliver on the track like he did last season consistently? I'm not 100% convinced just yet. I'm My thinking with, with how both of them are in for the relative long-term, especially long-term for the way NASCAR you know, free agency has been recently is now they finally have both with, with the stability and security. They finally can build, they can build upon what they had. You don't have to have that lingering question of you know, when are you going to sign the contract? Is somebody else asking you, what about Stuart Haas? What about, what about <laughs> Hendrick? You know, what, 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 what if, even though he signed for forever that they've traded the driver, the 48, cause everyone will keep bringing it up. Why not? What, what what about what about what if you swap cars? What if you do this? Nope, nothing. They're locked in. So now, I think at this point, it's just a matter of of building upon what they what the foundation they've made. Uh, Daniel Suarez at the end of this deal will have raced for them in what six seasons or so or five five or and six. At this, at this point in his at this point in his career, it's good to see him just get that stability because it's something yeah. he, he's needed for a while. Yeah, and and so I think five years for for Suarez, four years for Chastain. That's more than enough time to build a team up. I mean, there's been, there's probably been more famous duos of owners and and teams and drivers who haven't lasted that long. So I'm excited for what's coming up with them. For a while, Suarez's career was worse than Tennessee Balls keeping a football coach because he, he went through four teams in four years from 2018 to yep. 2021. He was running through teams like water, man. It just, yeah, everyone was, was trying to sign. I, I like that analogy. <laughs> I, I, I thought he was going to nope. go somewhere else with that. No, 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 of course not. No, I learned my lesson the first time, last time I did that. But anyways, <laughs> um, but anyways, no, 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 like the lowest point of uh, of his um his Cup Series career was missing the 2020 Daytona 500 wrecking out of the of the, uh, of the dual race. So to come back from that to now having a uh, a freaking contract extension with potentially one of the uh, the best teams in NASCAR, like that's a feel good story, man. I'm happy for Suarez. I'm glad he locked it up. 
But dude, hey, I know first race after the extension though, he was on one. So hey, just just chill out, just relax like you usually do, and you'll be okay. But yeah, uh, I agree. Damn, that's it. Is that it? That's, I mean, yeah. that's about yeah. That's about all we can talk so, about. The news is almost a week old. It literally Damn. broke like the morning after the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that and is true. It. Yeah, oh. good, good to get us get to cover all of our bases. Right. Well, I think there's something else that needs to be mentioned, Eric. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, like just like uh, NASCAR on Fox, we're front loading our commercials before we get to the most <laughs> crucial part of the show. Uh, but Forney Industries is a sponsor of the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more uh, for do-it-yourselfers all the way up to professional metalworkers. Forney has everything you need. For your next project. I know they work with several teams in the NASCAR Xfinity Series garage. Uh, they have them back at the shop. They have their welders and various Forney uh, products there to help them get ready for race day. Um, so it's really cool to see that brand so heavily involved in NASCAR, both on the, at the team level, also on the media level, the podcast level with us. Um, so be sure to support them. Shop Forney's top of the line products online at forneyind.com or at an authorized Forney dealer near you. And the link, I believe Darian has it. Yeah, I see it mm-hmm. down in the description below. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, it's the end of an era this weekend. Auto Club. Can they keep saying that? I don't know. This is like the hey, third last be... Auto Club race. Ever. I don't know. We <laughs> keep hearing it. We keep hearing it every, I don't know. It could be, it could maybe, not be. I'm not sure. Maybe the 48 is going to come out swinging and say, I thought I handled you already. Yeah. But anyways, Auto Club Speedway potentially, yeah, and yeah, like Eric said, for the third year in a row, um, but this is potentially now the uh, the final race on the uh, original uh, on the original configuration. And, you know, I'll just say this before we, uh, you know, get into the uh, to the other info. I know some of y'all are like, oh, man, they shouldn't get rid of the track. But listen here, we've asked for short tracks for years. Right. And it took um, it took Auto Club a decade and a half to become enjoyable. I don't want to go through another 15 years again through another repave. I don't think it's worth it. IndyCar doesn't race there anymore. That's basically what the, that was, um, that's, you know, one of the reasons uh, Auto Club uh, um, was uh, two miles long. It was meant for IndyCars. They don't race there anymore. You know, I say we just bite the bullet, enjoy the final Fontana weekend while you can, you know, because the short track I feel like is coming. And, and once the short track is here, um, I think the fans will fall in love with it. You know, we just have to bite the bullet right now and uh, just enjoy this weekend. So I just wonder, like, by show of hands, who here actually believes that in 2026 we will be racing at a show on a short track where Fontana currently sits? One reason. One reason. Okay, what's the reason? They want the finale in California in that LA or LA-ish market. Yep. And NASCAR owns it, yep. just like they own Phoenix. They yep. talked about 25-26 is probably when they're going to move mm-hmm. the finale. It lines up pretty well. That's mm-hmm. a fair point. Okay, yeah. you're, you're, you're winning me over a little bit, but then yeah. my other question is just it keeps getting delayed. There's such a lack of uncertainty. When you look, read and listen to um, Steve Phelps and Steve Adon, or I don't remember who it was. might not have been Steve Adon, but I know Steve Phelps. It wasn't Kennedy. It was. It, I feel like it was one of the Steves, but uh, Steve Phelps for sure I know is he kept emphasizing that right now our plan is to do this. Right now, we're valuing the, the Southern California market. Right now, this will be the final two-mile race you know at auto club right and so I, I just feel like they don't actually like they had a long-term plan and then supply shortages costs whatever the case may be variable after variable became slap started slapping them across the face and they've been pushing back 2020 
I was there. I think you were there too, Darian. I, I was, was yeah. That was, was supposed to be the last race on the two-mile configuration. Mm-hmm. 2020. It's 2023. <laughs> There's still <laughs> no sign of them breaking ground. So I'm skeptical. Call me skeptical. I, I, I'm with you, Darian. I like what the two-mile track is now, but before long, it'll be due for another repave, and I don't want to go through that. So I'm okay with the short track. Use the extra space to build something cool, but well, I'm skeptical it's going to happen at this. this point. I'm sorry. I'll say this. To their defense... It is a track in California, and we kind of had that whole COVID deal happen. (laughs) It is hard to do things in California. And it was extremely strict until, like, last year. Well, it's it's also just hard to get permits. It's harder to – everything's more regulated. Everything costs more. So it is a challenge. It's a Mm -hmm. a challenge. Well, that's just my defense for them. But, yeah, I mean, watch I just say, ah, screw it. We'll just scrap it and sell the land. God, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. You know what? That would be very NASCAR. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. It'd be surprising. I don't know. Riverside, but oh gosh, or or uh, Ontario Speedway. Damn, that's crazy. I'm sad. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But anyways, uh, potentially for like Eric said, the third or fourth year in a row. Well, they didn't race here in 21, I don't think, right? No, didn't no, they, they didn't. Now? They didn't. They yeah. didn't. Yeah, they were. So this is, I guess, one. only the yeah the third third. This is only the third yeah. time. So this, okay. so, so this is like the last race. We made it this time for real. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. But as for the, uh, let's go over the uh, the race info for the weekend. Uh, the uh, the Cup Series race name is the Paula Casino 400. A total of 200 laps. Gosh, OGs remember the 500-mile races. Those were... Uh, start time is 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox slash MRN. Uh, you can listen to it on MRN, excuse me. Um, the weather on Sunday, uh, <laughs> 51 degrees, uh, brief morning showers, and a 30% chance of rain. The defending race winner is Kyle Larson. So it's going to be that California cold type weather. So good luck to those, uh, including my mom will be there. Good luck. Uh, stay warm. Uh, as for the Xfinity Series race name, uh, which... Um, it could potentially, based on weather, potentially be ran on a Sunday night. Potentially. We'll have to uh, wait and see what happens with that. But the Xfinity race name is the Production Alliance Group 300, a total of 150 laps. Uh, the start time is for 5 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. You can also listen to it on MRN. The weather on Saturday is 48 degrees uh, with uh, rain and, and, and morning snow. Whoa. <laughs> rain and morning snow. Oh my gosh! Uh, and a uh, with with a ninety nine percent chance of rain. So it's so it's, basically count on this race happening Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, about what I said potentially, I didn't know it was ninety nine percent. No potentially. If it was a <laughs> short track happen. by now, if it was a short track by now, we could run rain. If, 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 if you got family and friends that want you to do something Saturday. Hey, by all means, go enjoy yeah. your time. Go just, enjoy that time. I just yeah. love the name of this race, the Production Alliance Group Three Hundred. What a company name! Yeah. That's, I don't. I just, I know that just it, seems it, like such a boring name. I don't. I don't know. And now moving on to the betting odds, Darian's betting odds. Okay, I want to say this. Y'all find it weird? It's snowing there. Meanwhile, like. A few towns I saw in Arizona recently got like four inches of snow. So in Arizona, uh, Dallas uh, got smoked a few weeks Arizona. ago. Arizona. So, so so yeah, I, I gotta say I I watch a lot of virtual rail fan on YouTube, and I'll I'll tune into what they call the grab bag, and it shows different places they have all across the country. There'd be a place in Canada that looks like a perfect spring day. Arizona has like a blizzard happening for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But anyways, moving on to the betting odds. Darian's betting odds on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. The betting odds for this weekend's race at the Auto Club Speedway. The favorites, 
Chase Elliott at plus five fifty. Um, okay. Well, it's on screen real quick. I just want to ask. It, it it's not a typo that Austin Dillon is plus twenty thousand, right? Uh, it, let me let me get to that. I was I, no no. Let me let me get to that. Let me get to that, bro. I'm I'm gonna explain that because that is crazy. That is crazy to me. And honestly, that is, you know what? That's obviously um the uh the best bet you can put out of all of these ones now that you bring it up. But let's go in order first. Uh, Chase Elliott at plus 550. Kyle Larson at plus 650. Ryan Blaney, Danny Hamlin plus 1,000. Ross Chastain plus 1,200. As for the best of the rest, Kyle Busch and Joey Logano plus 1,300. Christopher Bell plus 1,400. Tyler Reddick and Martin Truex Jr. at plus 1,500. And now to the underdog segment. Um, Danny, you're going to love this. Alex Bowman is plus 3,000. So I'd put like five bucks on him to win. Um, Chase Briscoe is plus uh, 3,500. He was leading some of this race last year. And so was Ricky Stenhouse Jr., now the defending Daytona 500 champ. Um, he is at plus 4,000. Ryan Priest, he showed some promise last weekend. He's a, and we all know how um, how uh, how talented he is. And he enters this weekend at plus 6,000. Now, yeah, Austin Dillon was plus 20,000. I swear to God, I'll go on Vegas Insider it's, again, but I'll, I'll, I could have sworn. He's plus 4,000 according to DraftKings currently. Really? Okay, Maybe so people saw it. those odds and started betting. Well, and let me let me go out. on. All right, let me go on Vegas. Then. Oh, okay. Now they changed it. Okay. I swear to God, it was 20,000 <laughs> on Monday. That's when I put it in. I swear to God, there was not no typo. Hold on. Let me go down really quick. All yeah, right. So no, he has the I same swear. as Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So uh, they've changed it since then. Well, actually, hold on. No, actually, no. The website messed up. So on here, they actually have him listed twice. They have him at four thousand, but then at the bottom they have him at twenty thousand. I think so, the twenty thousand was supposed to be Ty Dillon. <laughs> maybe, Probably. yeah, maybe. I would believe I that one. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the case. But then I also see Ty Dillon at twenty thousand here too, as well. Then so that's then I think that's what's happened. Yeah, take the yeah. bet, blame the house. But hey, you know he's still plus. <laughs> the 40, house always still, wins. <laughs> he's still plus four thousand though. That's still some pretty good odds. And Austin Dillon, he um. Um, he was, uh, he finished second year last I'm, year. I'm going to answer a question he? from, I he might he have, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer a question from Tanner Buckley. And I guess his odds have went down a little bit. Uh, according to DraftKings, Alex Bowman is a plus 2000. He said, what, if I put $5 in him, what would I win? That would bring in a hundred thousand dollars. So you'd make a profit of 100 if he won. Yeah. All right. But yeah, those are the betting odds. Sorry for the he confusion. Did. Good, a good memory there. Good memory there, Darren. He did finish. Austin Dillon did finish second last year in this mm. race. There you go. Thank good you. job. All yeah, I remember I like was that. Larson and Elliott door slamming. <laughs> That's all I remember from this race. And before and Suarez we move- going low instead of yes. protecting high at the high line. Yes. And before we move on to the uh, to our famous picks on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast, we have to uh, give an update on how the NWP Fantasy Leagues are doing. So um, in the top five of the um, first official NWP Fantasy League, uh, in first with 197 points is Recky. Uh, <laughs> good name. Uh, second is uh, is uh, S um, um, is um, how do you say this? S S D U B A Y O nine. Okay, so S. The baby, the one who's in second. Just uh, you, whoever you are, you're in second. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I can't. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're basically in P two. Uh, Keegan Snyder is P three. Uh, team Team Ronda is P four, and rounding out the top five is Aaron seventeen. I'll I'll learn how to say your name eventually. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and as for the uh, as for the uh, the second league, um, let me pull that up. The NWP <laughs> Fantasy League two two. Um, in first place is Natty City Racing. Uh, second is Raphael 88. Third is Lava Dilly One. Uh, that's Dilly a cool Dilly. name. 
Yeah, dilly dilly. Fourth is A underscore um, um, Winslow 1998. And rounding out the top five is the outside line. So thank you guys so much for playing the first week. Good luck this season. And I'll pick us up really quick on this one. The uh, the pick points, and I'll put up uh, the pick point system while we're doing this, and I'll read them off. Uh, so the pick points at the moment, chat, are good for you because you have 31 points with the lead. Eric is second, minus two. Me and Danny are tied for third with minus 11, but I did get that Xfinity win. Uh, and then Darian is in the back of the running in and, and, minus 12. And Darian got the Xfinity win too. Yeah. yeah, there we go. You didn't get any of the other ones. Nope, not even close. <laughs> not even close, bro. Oh, it was looking like cobbles for a moment. But so, yeah, so basically, basically, there's three of us that are all kind of hanging out on the basement couch at the yeah. moment. But something about Eric and the, the something something about and it's too early in the season as well. But something about Eric and the chat just going at it together. I mean, I don't know what, what well, um, you guys. We're really gonna do this again, chat. Hmm. Again. Well, I mean, since you're up now, uh, why don't you give us your. Uh, your picks, Eric. Uh, hey, uh, hey, do we really all have to go separate for this one? Uh, yeah, we yes. we talked. To, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. We, uh, yeah, we'll let the chat get their stuff in while we explain why. Yeah. So yeah, we we spoiler we did debrief before the show. Uh, our picks are not very uh, unique um, in this respect. Um, but I guess you know, this guy he did win last year, and now he's full time. Cole Custer. <laughs> it was pretty simple. Yeah, pretty much well, we all picked Cole I'm, Custer. I'm though. up next I, I could give my rationale uh last year i watched the race and uh full custer yeah. he has a, he has unfinished business he's back for no mercy Cole custer. Hey, i remember me and danny we were at that uh what was it the applebee's and like we thought the race would end early but then it went on forever and uh hey he still won he was it, extremely dominant so it, it has never been more clear that the chat yeah. <laughs> put him down <laughs> all right we're I mean, all tied I'm- I was watching the delay. They even started typing that before yeah. we began making our picks. Like before I said anything before it. That's wild. That's funny. And, 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 are we back last year picking who's gonna suck? When was the yeah, when was the last time Cole Custer was I guess yeah, maybe the suck pick. When was the last time Cole Custer was a unanimous win pick? Never <laughs> for never. never on this show. <laughs> never. No, I don't think so. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, who man. is gonna suck, Eric? Yeah, all right, go ahead. Um, I don't really think about this one. I gave a lot of thought to my win picks, only for everyone to steal them. Uh, I will go Cindric. No real rhyme or reason. Where did he finish? Darian, do you remember where Austin Cindric finished here? Um, eleventh. Yeah, it was mediocre. Yeah, yeah pretty. Why, mediocre how do you know that, Jared? How did you? Because it was at least he was around there because he was the one that avoided Ryan Blaney mm-hmm. when he oh, crashed yeah. on the last lap. Uh, hey, Bla- hey Blaney, good job with that eighth place uh, comeback this week. Yeah, so, oh yeah, next. we forgot to mention that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. gonna go with the guy who just runs poorly in the the uh, two mile races, especially with the next gen car. I hate saying it. I'm wearing a shirt with the same color car as his, but I'm going Michael McDowell on this one. Yeah. So McDowell supremacy That's this weekend. Sweet. More like suck supremacy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sucked. Nah, sucked. Move on. Move on. That was terrible. Go I'm ahead. going with. I'm going with the guy that. Basically has nothing to gain right now because he's already won. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Go suck it up this weekend, man. <laughs> I actually like that pick. That, that, that's yeah. I like. I don't. I like him as doing well. I should say. Well, I think I like him doing well this week. Well, Eric, we have to agree on uh, another pick now because Austin Cindric is also my uh, who's going to suck pick as well. 
In the chat's going, Eric Almarola. That, yeah, that poor that's... man is going to be the suck pick. Damn. He is the new episode. Cole Custer. Damn, he might, and he might actually be running good this year, man. Hey, y'all better be careful. Y'all better be careful with that. Just be, just be glad it ain't for points. Yeah. Okay. All right, so underdogs. I almost uh, actually picked Ricky Stenhouse for this, um, but then I remember that Eric Jones had a really good run here last year, and I want to see what Legacy Motor Club can do um, at a normal normal traditional racetrack now. I want to see if, if Jimmy Johnson's had any early season impact on their performance or if they're going to kind of fire off about where they were last year. They might have a shot at the top five, but more than likely they'll be in the teens somewhere. But I want to see. I think Eric Jones has a great shot at the top five. Uh, for me, I'm going to pick Jones as well because he also was fast at Michigan, the sister track of this one. And I think that uh, I think it'd be pretty fitting for one of these new age tracks ending uh, an era, having its legacy ended with legacy mm. winning. Um, I, For my underdog, I like what I was seeing out of them on tracks like this uh, last year t- towards the end of it. And I also like the new addition of his teammate and the notes that he brings in for the whole program altogether. And that's why I'm going my underdog to be Bubba Wallace to potentially be an upset to get a top five or even maybe still to win. This guy ran up front some last year. Unfortunately, he spun out, didn't really get recovered. I think um, that's not going to happen. Maybe I, I'll even go as far as to say, hey, maybe a top five. I mean, they were running up front last year for a little bit until he spun out. I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski as my underdog this weekend. And the chat. I saw a lot of 99s. Yeah, yeah I think it's going I, Suarez. I see a lot of 99s. Yeah, you might as well just give him the Suarez. Yeah. And uh, take seen, it over. I've seen a few for the 48, but I've seen more 99. Nah, you just give him 99. Some, some threes and 43s, but I think it's 99. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Um, All right. And now for the main event, who's gonna win? And who's gonna win at Auto Club potentially for the third year in a row for the final time on the original configuration, Eric? So, this car last year was leading when it blew a tire, and that was kind of a theme for this car early in the season last year, especially and, and even kind of later in the season. But it was a lot of high speeds, great runs ended by part failures or tire failures. But I think with Kyle Busch behind the wheel, the eight teams, maybe not going to push it quite as hard. I think maybe they've learned at least from last year where that limitation is. Kyle Busch is going to win at auto club. You know, I was thinking about, uh, about picking Kyle Busch, good car, good driver, four wins there. Very solid pick. Um, But I felt a little two faced today and decided to go with the double two, the 22 of Joey Logano. I think Joey Logano has a good track record here. He's going to be running the auto club car. And how fitting would it be to have him, who was part with Kyle Busch, of one of the most famous finishes in recent memory, the most famous auto club finish, get the victory? I, I think that it's going to be Joey. As much as I was hyping up the 48 to start, and I saw someone say, that Alex Bowman would get two wins before any of his teammates got one. I have to disagree because although he got it in more of a handed to inversion last year, I think it'll be more of a dominant fashion. And I think Kyle Larson will win this race two years in a row. He's won here before uh, last year, even in the target car, he got wins here at auto club. And I see uh, Kyle Larson getting yet another win at auto club this weekend. Someone mentioned the, Some um oh yeah Jared just mentioned that uh the most famous finish at the track from ten years ago, um 
There was a uh, one driver who had the uh, the worst end of that deal. It cost him his whole season. And you know what? We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary. He has some unfinished vision, uh, business to avenge the win that should have been his that day. Denny Hamlin is finally going to cross that check mark and win at Auto Club Speedway. He's ran good there before, but just hasn't been able to close the deal. Maybe it'll happen this weekend. Chat's pretty well split. I've seen a lot of yeah. eight, a lot of five, a lot of 48. I've seen a I'll lot just of 45. 45 and eight is the big one I've seen. I'll get put, the poll ready. I would also five, put the five, 48 five, and, the, five, and the five. Five is definitely there a lot. Okay. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of fours, eights, and fives. Uh, so, um, so four, um, so number four, number eight, and number five for the poll? No, no. 48, oh, 45. 40. Okay. Five and five eight. Five and eight. Wow, so <laughs> many combinations there. I know. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So let's go into it. Okay. I, I, I can Kyle see Larson. Okay. okay, Larson. Five, okay. Eight. Eight. All right, then 45. 45. 48. Okay, all right, perfect. Boom. We'll have the pull up. Who's going to win? Oh, I got to put the question mark. You know, grammar, <laughs> grammar. Hold all right, up. guys, that's in the, that'll do it for another edition of the NASCAR Weekly Podcast on my channel, BFM. Uh, join us next week on Wednesday night, March 1st, beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern time, back all over on the uh, on the Icebergs channel um, for the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. We'll be going over the final weekend. Well, again, for the third year in a row, potentially the final weekend of the Auto Club Speedway, as well as the upcoming Las Vegas Triple Header Weekend. Yeah, yeah, fellas, I think that'll just about do it. So thank you guys so much for watching tonight's edition of the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. This is Black Flags Matter. Catch you next time. Ridiculous, dude. Holy, Holy cow. Good job, man.